Xbox games past the PlayStation. Exclusivity walking the plank. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me each and every week is one Mr. Chris Figs. Chris, how you doing, buddy? What up, man? Doing good. Yeah? You in this bitch? Hell yeah, brother. I'm in this bitch. You, you pulled your hood up, tightened the... I mean, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, is it, like, is it like time for your rap album, or <laughs> is it like cold outside? Yeah, it's definitely cold. We just had a snowstorm. Uh, All right, let's do pretty, a temperature pretty off. Pretty I'm pretty sure you're going to win. Uh-huh. Uh, what's the temperature there today? Let's find out weather. Um, 40 now because it's raining. Hi, bitch. 39. <clears throat> Look at you. Weather <laughs> off. It's supposed to snow in 30 minutes. So, Yeah, uh, it's still not going to snow. That'll probably. They're, they're talking right. about it potentially snowing on Monday when it's... Uh, a high of 19 and a low of 11 or some shit like that, which is pretty cold for here. I'm, I'm going to be honest. That's not very, that's not normal. That's an so, average day. I figured as much. That's, uh, mm. that's what happens with you people in the North. It's, it's, uh, it's the price you pay for defying the, the English and breaking away from Britain, you know? Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. We pay our own price. We sweat like the depths of hell because the South was part of the civil war and we defected. So, yep. you know, it's, uh, you get what you get. Yeah. And it's great Nothing's for us. Free, all, of right? our, all of our well water tastes like tea. <laughs> <laughs> How sick would that actually be though? <laughs> be a, depends like, on the tea. <clears throat> that's true. But let's just call it like a, a, a nice black tea. Nothing crazy. You know, okay. I feel like you get tired of it. You know, if they can I mean, cycle you the tea. Would. <laughs> give me an Earl Grey on Tuesdays, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that would it's actually chamomile make sense. Friday. Like, look, guys, to commemorate the uh, Boston Tea Party in the, you know, in the great New England states, we are mm-hmm. going to have tea in our water. Yeah. You have to turn your faucet three times and yell the British are coming and then it becomes <laughs> <Yeah>. tea. <laughs> See, there we go. Because I was about to say the problem with that is you would be bathing yourself in tea. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be like some secret wizard thing. You know, you tap, yeah. you, you pray in the direction of Plymouth Rock and it's just tea. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's I was good. thinking maybe every house had like an effigy for Paul Revere. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's that why work. we. That's why we. Every time we turn on our outside lights for a guest, it's one, two, three, and then we. You know. Oh, is that really a thing up there? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't it's even like, think I've been saying the right amount of lights. <laughs> that totally could. You could make someone who doesn't know the area believe that. Because for a second, I was like, that sounds probably not real. But it also sounds like the kind of crazy shit that someone might do just as like, listen, this is our way to honor (laughs) our country. So (laughs) who knows? Anyway, guys, welcome to the show. This is, of course, a PlayStation podcast where we talk about games through the lens of being fans of PlayStation. That does not mean that we do not play the other systems. Chris and I both own Switches, Xboxes, and gaming PCs, but we do the vast majority of our gaming on PlayStation and talk about our experiences through that lens. There will be times that we praise and or... um, criticize the uh, opposition but not for you know shits and giggles more because it's what we really think so with that in mind we are going to um get into the episode this week we're going to talk about sony's 
incredibly well numbers with uh, PlayStation 5 that they revealed at CES, as long as well as some other things that they talked about during CES. We're going to be talking about some rumors that are circulating that kind of point towards something that a lot of people have thought was coming. Uh, and we can find out how real or how dubious we think those claims are, as well as getting a check-in on uh, Metal Gear Solid 3's remake and Silent Hill 2, after we talked about them a little bit in last week's episode where we did our Metacritic draft for 2024. And uh, also going to check in on Hogwarts Legacy, uh, the game that was very much shunned and pushed away during the award season and rose a lot of questions and we kind of got an idea of how it performed. Uh, But we'll get into all that soon. First and foremost, what we always do with the show is check in on what each other have been playing so that we can give you guys an idea of what you might want to play next or at least give you some insight into something that should or should not be on your radar. Chris, what have you started... Uh, or what rather did you play this week? Did you finally rein in that ADHD of yours? I did. I'm playing uh, Yakuza Zero and Zero <clears throat> else besides Yakuza Zero. So I'm so proud of you. All right. So <laughs> Yakuza Zero is actually, I kind of want to hear your perspective because I'm assuming you're a lot further than I was into it because it's the only thing you've been playing. Um, Chapter so, six. Okay. Yeah. So you may recall that I played Yakuza Kiwami. And enjoyed it, very much enjoyed it, uh, and immediately went into zero. And I have struggled since I've done that with trying to figure out if I just didn't like Yakuza Zero because it does have some changes mm-hmm. that are a little rough to accept coming off of Kwame because Zero is older than Kwame. <clears throat> so it's got slightly different presentation, slightly, it's, it's pretty similar gameplay wise, in all honesty. Um, it is. But as with most Yakuza games, it also takes place in the same city. <clears throat> so I am unsure if it's that I didn't like uh, Yakuza 0 or if I was burnt out on Yakuza and needed to take a break between two titles because I actually did a lot of the side content in Kiwami. And that does mean that I spent a good you know, 30 to 50 hours in that city. And I don't think I should have immediately rushed into the next one. But in your experience with it so far, of course, you've been playing the Yakuza games kind of off and on, taking breaks between them. Mm-hmm. But it sounded like you're talking about kind of straight lining them through yeah. in order to play Infinite Wealth. So is that, what's, on the, exact, is that what's on the docket? That is exactly what's happening, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've been a big fan of Yakuza... The the one of the first memories of playing games I have is a is a driving section in Yakuza Two, and so I've been playing them for that long, like since they were on PS Two. Um, <clears throat> I fell off the series a little bit in the recent times, but I beat Kiwami. Um, I beat. I'm I think I'm like halfway <clears throat> through Yakuza Seven, um, and then I've played the old ones back before I can really remember the beats. Um, so I just decided, fuck it. I'm going to play all of these right in a row and try and platinum them all and see what happens. So we'll see. But yeah, I started with Yakuza Zero and I think it's fantastic. So <clears throat> it's funny. I remember the first time that I became aware of Yakuza as a series, I, I knew the name. Like, mm-hmm. I had seen it here and there, but I never really thought about the game or known anyone who had played it. Uh, but back when I worked at GameStop around 2010, um, one of my coworkers was super into the series, and it was right before Yakuza 4 was coming out for PS3. Yep. And he was super stoked for it. And that was the first time I'd ever heard anybody really be like, oh, shit, 
you should be aware of Yakuza. And I never got around to playing it until Kiwami, but I, you know, it's like one of those things where I became much more aware of. Uh, so it was kind of cool seeing that come up and go from what seemed like a niche series in many ways on PS3 to uh, something that feels a lot more like a phenomenon now. And I'm, I'm unsure if that's just because uh, the internet makes it easier for people who think alike to find each other or just because the series has grown. I assume it's a little bit of both. <laughs> um, yeah, so. I think it's a little of both. I think when you really start playing Yakuza, you just see like the weird, funny shit that's in those games. Oh, of course, you know? yeah. And there's no, there's no games like that in the West. Like there is, you will never play anything from Naughty Dog that comes close to the weirdness of Yakuza. What I like about Kiwami, or at least what I liked about my time with it, is that sometimes it was so poetic and so poignant, and then sometimes it was like, "What the fuck am I playing?" Well, that's I like think there's the, that time I'm trying to remember exactly what the context around it was, but there's a like a bar that uh, Kiryu walks into in Kiwama, Kiwami, and he like punches a statue and like shatters the goddamn thing. <laughs> Do you yeah, remember what I'm talking? It's like a yes. bust. Yeah, I know you're talking. Yeah, about. it's wild, and it was something simple too, like oh, the kids can't do so, <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like okay. But it really more than that, like the, the weird strippers and like weird mini games on some of the strips that you could do. It, it's a very interesting world. Well, but do you the, not think that you're going to run into some kind of issue playing these back to back to back to back? Like, I, I'm genuinely unfamiliar with the PS2 and PS3 ones. So um, I don't know. There, it's <laughs> definitely possible. I think I'm going to get lucky because my plan is to do. Zero, Kiwami, Kiwami 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, Judgment, Lost Judgment, 7, Gaiden, and then Infinite Wealth. <clears throat> so after 6, it changes to a different character, different story. Mm-hmm. So I think that might give me enough of a break in terms of soap opera Yakuza shit. And then yeah. once that's done... Seven is a is a turn based JRPG, you know. So I feel like if I can make it through Yakuza zero through six, I'm kind of good. Okay, so you were talking about Gaiden. Is Gaiden the one that has this, the the sub name of uh, the man who lost his name or whatever? Yes, yeah. That's okay, I thought line. so, yeah. but I but I wanted to be sure. <clears throat> um, uh, okay, well, interesting. Uh, why? <laughs> Why judgment beforehand? Just because you're familiar with that play style in the time, or that's time or order? Oh, really? Yeah. From what See, I, I knew, looked up, were, I knew judgment was in the same world, but I didn't know how <clears> much they actually interconnected with Yakuza so much. I'm, as, from what I remember, like it has to do with the Tojo clan and stuff like that. Like there's okay, like, so not, it's it's like extra world building for yeah, and it's just part of it. You know, it's funny because I've been watching a lot of Yakuza YouTube, and they all include the Fist of the North Star game as a Yakuza game. You know what I mean? So wait, what? They, yeah, they they 100 percent are like, yeah, number ten is Fist of the North Star, and I'm like, this it's just by them. It's not a Yakuza game. I was about to say, is there any relation outside of the studio? I think Kiryu is is a unlockable character, and that's about it. <laughs> okay, it's weird, interesting, but um, I'm not planning on playing that. So, but yeah, I just I don't know. It's one of these things. Like mm-hmm. this could take me 
you know, this could be my year or this could be a project I'm going through for the next five. I don't know which is going to be. But regardless of anything, I want to play Infinite Wealth so goddamn bad. It looks so good. Like, I'm genuinely upset that I didn't pick it because in the fantasy draft because watching more of it, I'm like, this looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you well, I mean, have you watched I hope any so of for it? Me. Uh, I've watched the initial announcement trailer and the first gameplay trailer that they showed. So that's about it. The thing that absolutely <clears throat> blows me away is it basically has a full Pokemon game in the game. <laughs> like it's a Yakuza okay. game, but then there's I think they call them like Shinjokumon or something crazy. No, that's South Park, isn't it? That yeah, Chin Pokemon. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah, they have something that's along those names, and you're just collecting and battling monsters. And I'm like, this is awesome. So I'm just, I just can't wait. I think it looks awesome. I think I'm hoping we get more of, I guess I won't spoil anything, but more interactions between characters that you like and you're familiar with. So I'm really looking forward to that. If I do this, I won't get to it until like in a perfect world, like March. But We'll see. Yeah, that's a long way off, but that's okay. I mean, sometimes it's, I remember the last time that you said, Hey, I want to play an entire series, and it was Final Fantasy, and I don't think you even started. <laughs> um, I did. I tried to play Final Fantasy one. I didn't like it, and I haven't played anything else. So, yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, mine's a little more uh, robust this time Ooh. around. So, uh, I have now both beaten and completely platinumed Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Um, it's look. It, it's a good game. I still really enjoyed it, but it's just one of those games where Ubisoft has a problem when it comes to platinuming their games. Where I feel like their trophy list are almost. It's like they they handcraft them to make sure that it shows all of the design failures or all of the cracks in this facade, <laughs> and it makes you be like, oh, okay, I do like this game, but there's a lot of bullshit involved with with interacting with it in this capacity and it's kind of weird because <clears throat> i feel good about trophy collecting kind of pushing you to play more of a game and interact with more of the mechanics than you otherwise might but there's a time where it's like do i really need to interact with all this shit uh the trophy i told you that i was really worried about was the um uh it was clan contributions and man that was a uh, slog so unfortunately it was a Ubisoft ass Ubisoft game through and through at the very end. It took me probably 50 hours total to platinum it. Uh, and I don't, I don't regret it. Uh, I, I still really enjoyed the game. Uh, but I think that this is a good example of if the trophy competition wasn't going, I would have let it go. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's the kind of thing. Like, with with like two well with like with really that last trophy I'd have been like man who knows I might have pushed through anyway but it was sure great to have a little motivation of like this is like a forty two hundred point platinum yeah yeah <laughs> so, did you finish it in time for last one or for last year's event or is this a, the, your first twenty four no this is my first one <clears throat> but about nine hundred of that forty two hundred was on last year's docket got it. Uh, so still, I'm at like a good thirty three hundred points. Oh, I'm not taking first anything away year, from it. Solid. I'm just curious. I was oh, just curious sure. when you got it. No, this is my first platinum of the year. Uh, but Chris, can we talk about the most exciting game on your list? I'm gonna do my one buffer real quick. This I have 
continued to play Soul Sacrifice uh, and continued to very much enjoy it. Uh, I'm going for, with it because it's the one I'm more familiar with and I wanted to replay it. But it's also an easier Platinum and a shorter Platinum. Got it. So again, looking at the, the trophy competition as somewhat of a thing. Uh, but... I've been looking and apparently everything about Soul Sacrifice, your character and everything, you can transfer directly into Delta. And Delta has got a lot of gameplay mechanics that sound really great, but the Platinum takes like three times as long on Delta. Oh, God. Because there's so much more to interact with. There's more trophies that interact with some of the new mechanics. And uh, I just don't think I want to give myself that kind of commitment right now. So I'm sticking with OG Soul Sacrifice. Uh, I'm not following a trophy guy, but I did, because I've already played the game before, decide to look up uh, how long it takes to platinum, and it's roughly 30 to 50 hours. So this is going to be a slow back burner, something I do here and there when I'm watching TV with the wife or we go on a trip. Because uh, we were out of town this weekend, so I played a lot of Soul Sacrifice. Sacrifice uh, when I was just hanging out, waiting to go to bed when uh, you know when we were visiting family. So, um, nice. but Chris, being being through with my TV being captured by the uh, the blue people, the not be uh, <laughs> so that you can select my balls. Um, I have finally started a game that you have left here uh, ten oh, months ago. Yeah, about that. Yeah, it was last March, right? That sounds yeah, right. I think so. So last March, Chris came, and he brought with him Wanted Weapons once. of Fate. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a 2008 PS3 game. And let me tell you, man, at times, does it feel like it? <laughs> yeah. But here's the interesting part. I find its age... And its general makeup to be very charming because of the time period that it came from. And it's really showing proof that there was something about PS3 games where they were starting to get really interesting production values. Some things in this game look incredible. Some things look terrible, just to throw Mm -hmm. that out there. But certain things are really cool about the game and certain things look really good. So you're seeing that kind of move towards high production value. This is actually, I'm about seven or eight chapters in right now. Got Um, it. So I can tell you with a pretty good certainty that this is one of the more solid licensed games. Uh, PS3 was very hit or miss on those, but it was kind mm-hmm. of the turning point where there was a bunch of bad ones, but a bunch of ones that were doing something interesting. And uh, yeah, the game is just proof that PS3 devs kind of had a really close balance. I think closer than modern devs often hit of fun in the way that games have always really been intended to be fun while also being very over the top and trying to have some kind of movie-like production value and trying to ape the film industry to some degree. I feel like games do that now, but a lot of the times they'll get lost in the minutia of things. And like I was talking about last week with Avatar, there are things in the game where I'm like, I genuinely can't think why anyone thought this was a good idea at the amount with the amount of time it took to make that game at the budget it took to make that game some of wanted's problems are definitely there but it's also a game that you can tell was made by people who were just really passionate about throwing something together in mm-hmm. relation to wanted and it's almost obvious that any of the mistakes came from a need of the game has to be out really quickly and we are very budget constrained 
Whereas a lot of the times modern games don't feel like the problems are because of budget constraints or time constraints. It just feels like someone thought it would be really cool if we had an ultra detailed thing that no one really wants to do, but we just want to show that we can do it in the game. Yep. So very quickly, I found myself... When the game is running full speed, full motion, and you're not being caught up with how the loading screens are very obvious corridors where it's like, oh, this is about to transition into a cutscene, so it can transition me into another part of a level, all trying to guise itself together as seamless. Um, <laughs> there's times where I don't even think about the fact that it's a PS3 game. Uh-huh. It's just... It's, it's a, at a high enough level that you're kind of like, yes, I see this. And it it's interesting, too, because it's got a really in-depth cover system. Mm-hmm. So it feels like playing... Sci- uh, like what, what I said earlier, because the whole time I was playing it, it's siphon filter to the point where, like, James McAvoy's dad in this even looks like he's trying to be Gabe Logan <laughs> in multiple parts of the game. But it's like siphon filter meets Gears of War. Yep meets the wanted series hooks and mechanics. And I think the game is a pretty mediocre third person shooter for being honest up until the point where you start getting all of the actual, like, okay, now we're digging into what makes wanted different mm-hmm. and dude, bullet curving is incredibly fun. I cannot <laughs> believe there has not been a first person shooter studio. that's like, bro, maybe we should just take that idea mm-hmm. and work it into our game. Yep. It is so fun. It's so simple. It has been incredibly interesting, and I'm surprised at how much I enjoy the game for what it is while being very aware that it's a very old game. So I'm not fucking surprised. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, I got to say, I expected it to be worse, and that was kind of why I was holding off on it. Maybe just listen next time because I'm usually like at least have some merit to what I say. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I'm very curious how I'll feel on a replay of this because it does require two plays, uh, two playthroughs for a platinum. I think you'll move. A, you can move a lot faster through it as a replay. I think that's sure. the biggest thing. But have you gotten to points where you? I'm sure you have because I think it's a pretty basic part of it. But where you're like curving around columns and shit, that's yeah. the coolest part. Yes, you can like yes, curve yeah. it around cover and it's just like up and down. Oh, it's so fun. That's, yeah, that's been my favorite thing. So it's like suddenly the combat goes from like not quite tight enough third person shooting. Like it doesn't just as a third person shooter alone, it's kind of sloppy. Yeah. Like it, the, it's not super responsive. It's not really. But here's the thing: all of the special mechanics that come as a means of wanted are so dialed in that I'm pretty sure they were like, it doesn't fucking matter what the third person shooting is, as long mm-hmm. as the cool stuff is good. So, like, whenever you hold R1 to do the bullet curve, it literally locks onto whatever enemy is close enough to where your reticule would be, and as long as they're close enough, you'll see it. And then there's just an arc, and you move the analog stick to arc around, and you'll see if there's anything in your pathway. And you can eventually mm-hmm. see it where it's not red. And if you let it go, uh, it'll go. And if you can do it quick enough, or if it's right at the end of something, it'll occasionally, as soon as you fire, it'll go into slow mo and follow the bullets. And that shit is so cool. It's say what awesome. you will about say what you will about Zack Snyder. But the reality is, is sometimes, at the very least, mm-hmm. slow motion can make something that was already going to be cool even cooler. Yeah, it definitely can. You'll get to points. You'll get to points when you're uh, replaying it where you're just like really quick, just tap and flick, 
and it's yeah. so fun. Like that was my favorite part is you get really good at it and you'll just be like bong bong bong. It's awesome. It does actively introduce the problem that anytime you're not playing in a scenario where you have control of normal guns that let you do all your special abilities, even like the one where you can move between cover with the ability to shoot where it slows everything down. Yeah. Uh, or even the moments that are almost like railgun moments. It's like the Resident Evil, it's like the old RE4 moments where mid cutscene, it's letting you interact with shit. Yeah. Uh, so it's like the ones where. You're climbing up through the airplane that's falling to the ground and you're just like jumping up and then like it slows down and you have to shoot a rocket launcher thing and a guy in the head and yeah. you have like three seconds to do it in slow-mo. It's cool. Those moments work even though they can be annoying if you fail them for some reason. It starts yeah. to be like, oh, this is too yeah, much. Yeah. But the parts where you aren't in control like that, which are few and far between, but like the sniper mission where you're playing mm-hmm. as the father is kind of eh. Yeah, it's uh, and I want to talk about something I was running into a lot, uh, and I, it's it's confusing me. But I think I may have figured out what to do. Um, but between that and like the moments where you're on like a turret, mm-hmm. they're not very fun. They are like a crazy difficulty spike to where yeah. like if you pop your head out for two seconds, they fuck you up. Oh, you're dead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But there's also no way to actually aim before you pop up to start shooting. So like you have to just hope and a prayer and kind of guess where you need to be um but yeah it's like those moments make me actively be like oh why can't i just be running around firing weapons mm-hmm. yeah but I, I, I can see conversely that. it makes the normal third person shooting feel like you're building up you're you're paying into this mediocre more mediocre gameplay mm-hmm. so that you can have those couple seconds of fuck that was cool you know you're investing in boredom for a good time mm-hmm. Yeah, Uh, it's funny that playing that game. uh, I told you I'm I'm not following a trophy. I'm I'm not following any kind of guide for the first playthrough because I have to play it twice anyway. So there's really Mm -hmm. no point to. um, Whenever I can just do it all in the next one, but I am actively trying to find collectibles like I do on everything. But it's almost like I'm curious to see how close I'll be on my own because there's something about PS3 games where I feel like it's hardwired in me of where to look for collectibles. Because I'll see something that's off the side, I'm like, that's clearly where a collectible is going to be stashed away. And then the level starts you somewhere. I'm like, I need to turn around because there's almost always going to be some kind of collectible either in the starting area that you're probably going to move out of too quickly if you're not paying attention, mm-hmm. or an area that's hidden behind the starting area for you to go find something and i have found so much shit yeah so i am curious but the problem i was running into before it slips my mind uh you know those defender bt controllers that we have i do and i just started right before we we quit i played about 10 minutes with a uh the actual dual shock 3 to see and i hadn't run into it yet but this is not saying for sure that this is the answer throughout the game i keep having moments where trying to hold l2 uh, which is also an interesting thing. It is a PS3 shooter that does not use L1 R1 to primary aim down sight and fire. Um, but when I'm pulling L2 to try and aim down sights, I'd have to almost send you a video, but it's like every now and then it'll mm-hmm. just get to the thing where I try and hold L2 and it'll just be like, bop, 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 bop. like the camera keeps pulling back and forth. Like it won't actually lock into it. So I'll see the reticule like flash up for a second and it'll like, crazy flicker and come off stream and it'll just keep trying to do that and i had to like change controllers or turn the controller off turn it back on and it would start working again after a while um so i'm curious to see if it does that with the dualshock 3 but i can't think of anything around the defender bt that would cause that and i've played plenty of games since i've bought it and not had that issue so i'm very confused 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't have any good luck with those, so. Yeah, I know you didn't. But, you know, we were playing Grand Theft Auto 4 for, like, that whole night. I didn't have a single issue. Really? That's weird. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's the way that Wanted interacts with the system to access the controls and maybe something's falling apart in there, but I've not experienced it on any other game. Not on Naughty Bear, not on Infamous 2, not on Grand Theft Auto, not on Prince of Persia 2008, whenever I was playing some of it. So I'm very confused. Uh, but at least, thankfully, I do have a DualShock 3 to still use. Nice. So, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. That's good. Um, I thought about going toward using one of those things where you can plug it in and it'll let you use like a PS5 or PS4 controller, but neither of those controllers have pressure-sensitive face buttons, um, which is really? something that there are PS4 or PS3 games that do inter- that do use. Not all, but there are some that I don't want to ever run into the situation where I don't have them. And the Defender Bluetooth do have pressure-sensitive buttons. So, Okay, nice. Yeah, unfortunate. So if you're playing PS3, depending on the game, if you're playing any Metal Gear Solid on PS3, there's pressure-sensitive uh, sensitive button features. Nice, that's cool. I didn't even know that was a thing. PS1, PS2, and PS3 all had it. I'm oh, pretty shit. sure PS1. I know PS2 had it for sure. Wow. Yeah, so one of the games that you'll see it in is uh, Metal Gear Solid. I think it's Square on the originals. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 and, and 3, uh, whenever you're aiming, you like lightly touch Square, and mm-hmm. it'll pull up your gun. And then whenever you're ready to fire, you just complete, like, finish pushing it in. So it's a lot like the triggers on the dual side or the dual sense, where you can like half-step it, and it'll have a different functionality. It's just on the face buttons. Nice. Okay. That's cool. I didn't we were, know that. We were gaming in the future in 2000. <laughs> you know? So, unfortunate. Feedback. But yeah, Chris, I'm enjoying the game. Thanks for letting me borrow it. Hopefully one of these days I can get it back to you. Thank you. I'm glad you're playing it. It's about time. And it's, I'm not it's, committing I'm to platinuming it yet. No, I'm but just glad I think you're playing it. I'm just glad you're playing it because it's really fun. Like, it it's, is. It's, it's, it's a very fun seven. That's the thing. Like It's not a, it's not a masterpiece. I didn't but send you the Witcher than 3, but yeah. it is. Of course, it's way better than you It's thought. way yeah. better than a 2008 licensed, movie licensed game, game of, a, of a movie that didn't really set the world on fire. Like Wanted was culturally relevant, but it, just, it didn't just destroy the box office. So, you know, exactly. it, it's, been, <laughs> it's been funny playing it, though, uh, because do you like the Morgan Freeman character model? Looks <laughs> awful. He looks like yeah. he's got like stung by a, a thousand bees. And then James McAvoy does look like James McAvoy, but it's like so weird looking at him. And then like the mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins character, I'm like, I can tell that's him. <clears throat> and I don't know what's going on voice wise. I can't tell if it's actually James McAvoy voicing himself. I'm 60% sure it is. I'll check I think it is talk. because Anthony Hopkins sounded a lot like Anthony Hopkins, but it may just be a really good voice to fill in. Um, but then it makes you wonder if all of the actual actors came in, because this is a sequel to the movie, by the way. So this is one of the cooler ideas of a, of a licensed game where it continues the story. So it's not something you're already aware of. Um, if it is all the same actors, why does some of the voice work sound so stilted and fucking weird? If these are professional actors, <laughs> it's like... Well, it's the same as like... Toby Maguire is awful in the Spider-Man 2 game in P- on PS2, but it's so him. bad. And yeah, you're right. It's dialogue he recorded for the game, so. Yeah, I don't get it. Maybe it's just removing someone who's a, a traditional actor from their space, because back then, 
you weren't doing like God of War 2018 or or Ragnarok where you're like, or even Uncharted, where it's like you're acting and voice capturing at the same time. That what you weren't doing that. <laughs> Definitely it's, not for a, a a wanted license tie-in game. Yeah, and it was not James McAvoy. It was Jimmy Simpson. Uh, yeah, I didn't think so. But did Anthony Hopkins? Was that really him? I'm always curious, but. It's not worth digging too much time into. I'm assuming if James didn't do it, they definitely the rest didn't of get them Anthony didn't. Hopkins. Then that makes me wonder how they even managed. I wonder if their contracts for the movie were like, it, we can use your likeness in any side, you know, side content that we choose to make. Yeah, most likely. Can't believe they got that from Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah i i'm surprised they just don't take snippets of movies of like especially like you're making a wanted movie i know it's after and stuff like that but you could which you could i prefer it. but you, you're right if it's going to be the same story you might as well just let all the voice work be from the movie right exactly because <laughs> there's some parts right the never mind i'm not going to spoil anything for that game yeah, don't spoil anything for my 2008 video game. <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, man, we've got a community's take we're going to hop into before we go into the news. Uh, so last week, uh, and if you want to be part of the community's take in case, you've, uh, in case you're new to the show and you hadn't been, uh, every week at the end of episode, we normally come up with, an, uh, you know, with some kind of a question where we reach out, throw it to you guys as a community, and let you all throw it back at us and either push back against something we've said or you know, give us some kind of thought on something we're we talked about in the previous episode or just give a question to you that was given to us by one of our patrons that we thought was interesting and we want to hear more words on. Uh, so you can go over to social media sites and uh, find us there. You can find us on X, formerly Twitter at triangle SQRD. You can find us in Facebook or on Facebook in a group called triangle square to PlayStation podcast. And you can find us uh, in our favorite place, arguably the Discord, which you can access by clicking the link in the description below, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services, and hop in there. We have a dedicated section for that, a, a channel where you can well, ask the question and you can respond, and that is how you get a chance to be read every week on the episode. Now, one thing we always do is we give shout-outs to our patrons and try and read their submissions first, but we also like to mix in a few that are not from patrons. With that said, our community state question this week actually came from one of our patrons, and it was from Josh Ayers, who last week asked us to make three predictions for the year uh, so of course we always like to start those off by giving a uh, giving their answer right back so josh came back and said uh, his three predictions are sony london will announce their new ip and it will launch in september that's a pretty good one actually. they've been pretty silent yep nintendo will reveal their new console and it will be called the super switch that would actually not be a bad name convention i it's I retro. Saw, it is retro. Way. I saw a name I like way better, but I know they'll never name it what this name. It's what fantastic. Uh, Switcheroo. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, switch. <laughs> nice. Look, here's the thing. They learned with the Wii U that the name can't be too close. Otherwise, yeah. it will confuse consumers. Because regardless of what anyone says, and this was my big contention when Xbox named the the new consoles the series s and the series s x because i was like guys i worked at a game store for years consumers get confused over the simplest shit and yes we may know but we are the outliers here we're talking general public what do they think what do they know and who's buying these things and there was nothing like seeing people come in and be like so the wii u is a controller 
that you buy for the Wii? <laughs> or people who bought Wii U games thinking they would work on the Wii and all vast sorts of crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, so stuff like that is a very reasonable point to be like, hey, maybe you shouldn't call your Xbox uh, 1S and your Xbox Series S. They're too close. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Nintendo's looking at that. But here's the other thing. They had a really good run of just naming something and then adding something in front of it or directly after it that was more notable than just a letter U. Because like the the Nintendo Entertainment System, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, right? Mm-hmm. They broke they broke off with the 64 and the, Dream, uh, and the GameCube. But then you have... Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance, Game SP. Boy Advance SP. Even though that was technically just more of a Game Boy Advance, and then you had break away from that, and then we got DS. It was a huge departure, actually. A huge the iteration. SP? Yeah. Oh, well, it was an iteration, but it still just played Game Boy Advance games. Is sure, my point. but yeah. yeah. I think it still fits into what we're saying. Of it's a better name than, than the new Nintendo 3DS, the, the foldy clasp clam thing. Yeah. Oh, trust me. I had to describe to my daughter how we were playing games as a kid because she was playing this game called Crossy Road. And I was like, oh, it's this Frogger. And she was like, what? And so I showed her a picture of original Frogger and she was like, that looks hideous. (laughs) (laughs) And I was explaining to her that when I was a kid, when I was her age, we had the Game Boy, uh, Game Boy Color, if you were lucky, or the Game Boy Advance. I think it was actually right around the same time um, as her age. And I was telling her that it didn't have a backlight. So I'm like, you couldn't play unless you were in a really well-lit room and you couldn't even play in the sunlight because the sun was so bright that you just still couldn't see what was on the screen. Yeah. Uh, and I was like explaining it to her and the look on her face was just so interesting. But yeah, Nintendo's had a real interesting uh, follow-up with names. Uh, the new Nintendo 3DS is a terrible name. <coughs> and so was Wii U. So oh, bueno. uh, Super Switch is fun. I wonder if you run this into the same issue, but Switcheroo is very good. It's just, I like it's only good for people who can pay attention because someone's <clears throat> going to be mad. Like, well, why can't my Switch play Switcheroo games? <laughs> I just think the funniness of people complaining online being like, oh, the Switcheroo is broken. It's got stick drift. <laughs> <laughs> Drifteroo. Yeah. <laughs> stick Drifteroo. Uh, okay, his Drifteroo. last. <laughs> switcheroo uh okay he has his last one hellblade 2 will be delayed to 2025 don't you put that evil on me josh Ayers. i know we need don't more playstation games this year <laughs> i'm saying that i have money not really i have my status as a metacritic draftsman yeah the loser the of the here. last draft <laughs> so hear me out chris you were talking about your Stanley Cup idea, and then I saw that apparently there's a company called Stanley that makes cups that people freaked out about. Uh, oh. I, I don't really understand. You want to get but a Stanley Cup? I thought cup it would be really this? funny to get a Stanley Cup, and every year just because I have a graving machine, I can, uh, a laser etch at work, and I can yes. put the Triangle Squared logo on it, and I can put you know yearly draft competition, and I can just every year send it back and forth and add yes. the name of the person. Well, it would the be question, the triangle squared Stanley Cup. <laughs> I like that. We should do that, but we have to just, we'd never, you'd never be able to use it, right? Like it would only be, no, right? Would you be able to use it at that point? Like how many years of like water and shit can we have in there? You know, you know what little... we could do is not use it and I could just get a trophy base and drill a hole in the bottom of it and just attach it to the trophy base. Yes, yes. <laughs> I like that. 
Yeah, that yeah. that would work. Yeah, that's a good so idea. That way it feels like it. So I, I want to run with that. But okay, moving on to the rest of the community stake we have here. Uh, Josh, thank you for the question and for your answer. He's one of our patrons, been so for a long time. We have another patron coming in, Jehudi MD, longtime listener, longtime patron, just like Josh. He says, more shutdown of live service games, which, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Name Bungie them. getting. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I'm curious to see which ones he thinks will will fall into yeah. either. But there's so many. <laughs> there are. so many. Speaking of live service, I played a little bit of the uh, Apex Final Fantasy VII event. That <laughs> oh, is weird. Yeah. It's an odd choice, uh, but I feel like Apex is like, well, fucking Fortnite's getting away with everything. We got to try. <laughs> we'll give a Buster Sword in here. I, I mean, I'm surprised that Apex wasn't like, fuck it, can we get Goku? Right. <laughs> But his next one, I think, is a is a more bold uh, bold one. So he says, yeah. Bungie getting folded into PlayStation. I can see it if Final Shape shits the bed. I just wonder how that would work and what it would look like. And it, like, would they just become Bungie a studio, but still fall under that and no longer publish any of their own stuff? I, or what would happen? Would they get I, rebranded? Because that that seems like a terrible purchase at that point. Even if they don't do what you want, the Bungie name holds clout. It just does. Yeah. Um, I feel like if that happens, it, I mean, I guess we'd have to see how it plays out. Like if the leadership stays there, which you could argue isn't a good thing, you know, um, it would be interesting to see, but I have to, I feel like in my, in my bones that Bungie would, end up just kind of dissolving away, you know? You know what would be a more wild situation is yeah. if yet again Bungie became independent. <laughs> like they I just don't think. once again bought themselves out. I don't think they could afford to at this no. point. They'd so have to pay I, I at this point that. they'd have to pay all of that back. I don't know. I guess the way I feel about it is like think of Bungie as like a bottle of Mio right and playstation studios is the water and i feel like if they end up getting folded in it'll just be hey we're squeezing a little bit of mio into here and everyone everyone now got some lemonade you know what i mean yeah yeah but then that comes down to a what would be the value in any given team maybe not every team like shooter shooter teams make sense to to throw them out any team doing something live uh, live service oriented would make sense to well, kind of throw them in to but, me i think the most interesting thing for bungie would be hey we've got xdev you guys are the fps xdev that would you actually can, be pretty cool you can make your own games but Hey, I don't remember the studio, but the guys behind uh, Immortals of Avium are looking to make their new game. We're going to put them in contact with you guys, and they're making a Sony first-person shooter while you guys are working on Marathon, and you're helping them out. I think that would be a really cool way to utilize Bungie. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, because, you know, that as weird as it is, I wouldn't be surprised if part of the Microsoft acquisition is that any shooter game that Xbox has is like, Hey, we're going to kind of run this through a focus group of people who are part of call of duty. Cause like that game does just have great feel. Yeah. It's like one of the most universally pra- praised things about the series. So right, his final one is one that is uh, not too bold, uh, but also you hope not considering the games they have come in this year. Square Enix not hitting their target for the year financially. Uh, and of course, you put there in parentheses to imply, to imply that they always ask too much of everything. But uh, I struggle with that because as a company, Square Enix has a history of 
saying that nothing that they make ever performs to expectation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they should be aiming high as shit as a company that's aim is to make money. <laughs> so yeah. Well, you know, you get to a point where nothing can meet your expectations and then you sell your studios to Embracer. You know what I mean? So it's, sure. you, you do, I feel like you do need to kind of not, I'm, I'm not saying in Square Enix leadership is wrong, but if you're not hitting the targets you're setting, then yeah, I guess be Well, you need to start scaling your, your targets back and start scaling your budgets back accordingly. Well, exactly. Like yeah. if Tomb Raider is disappointing selling 10 million copies, you fucked something up. <laughs> yeah. You spent too much or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know, we were talking about that ironically at work today and a little bit of break. I went out to uh, the, the shipping dock and uh, we were talking to those guys and we brought up how Square Enix had sold some of their things and about their crazy expectations. Um, and it started crossing my mind because they were like, well, they don't really, they haven't closed much of their Japanese output. And I almost wonder, is it cheaper, generally speaking, for them to work with Japanese studios and the games don't need to hit nearly as much than it is. Cause I was talking about how a lot of Western studios just by nature of where they are are very expensive to run yeah. because of uh, minimum wage and all sorts of things that come into play for the area that they're in. Now, conversely, there are some studios that benefit from that a lot. Like blue point not only has a low number of employees, but they also are in, uh, in Austin and Austin, Texas, in comparison to a lot of the places around here, is a very cheap place to live and has a very reasonable cost of living. Therefore, you don't have to pay your employees at that location nearly as much as you do someone who's like in the middle of, you know, California. So you kind of come around to that. And it's like sometimes games are just cheaper to be made at certain places. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely, they definitely are cheaper because you look at uh, Godzilla minus one. Right, and a lot of the conversation around that game was, oh, movie the Marvels, better? the movie. Yes, sorry. Oh, the Marvels cost two hundred and fifty billion dollars, and it looks like this, and Godzilla minus one cost fifty million, and then you hear some of the like whispers of like, well, cost fifty million because they don't pay anybody and they have to work a hundred hours a week, you know. So it's definitely a different. It's a different culture around work, but it's also a different it's a different culture in general. So they're definitely cheaper. If that's the case and that translates to video games, it's definitely cheaper to make them in Japan. And that's probably why they were so upset, right? It's like, yeah, you sold 10 million units, but guys, (laughs) we're paying all of you a hundred grand. You know, this isn't working. We're in Japan. It's like, Oh, there's suicide nets outside the buildings in some of those places. That's obviously actually more China and Foxconn, but get what I'm trying to say anyway. Yeah, I understand. I mean, just the reality of different work cultures bring with it different expectations and different costs that go in, yeah. coincide with those expectations. Uh, we're going to hop in with one from a one-armed wolf. I feel like we haven't done him in a while. We have oh, a lot phrasing. of answers, so we're not trying. <laughs> we haven't. Uh, we're not trying to avoid anyone, but we can only answer so many. So while we got a lot of answers from a lot of people that we hear from often, we appreciate them. Uh, but we're going to do a couple more. So a one-armed wolf says, one, Sony buys Square Enix or CD Projekt Red. That's bold. That's bold. It's possible. Especially since they just said, we don't want to be bought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Embracer closes or sells off 50% of the 1 million studios they have. Uh, I'm going to kind of edge in there and say that Embracer sells Crystal Dynamics to Microsoft. Yeah. 
I'd be it interested. almost seems like that's just what it is now. And then I think Microsoft may even just close uh, what, whatever that new studio name even is. I oh. can't even recall the one that was supposed to be making the quadruple A the game. initiative. That kind of blew up. Was it the initiative? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, so I could see that shuttering and that entire Perfect Dark reboot just going to Crystal Dynamics. That would be interesting. would be a hell of a move for Sony to buy Crystal at this point. But that would yeah. be wild. Yeah. I don't know how that would even work at this point, but it would be really interesting. Well, they'd finish but, Perfect Dark and then they'd go make Uncharted 5. Well, here, if, if <clears> we're being honest, though, let's just think for a second. If Microsoft is banking so much of their game from the initiative on the fact that Crystal Dynamics is helping them, do you really think that Microsoft is going to let Sony outbid them no matter what? That's the kind of thing. No. This feels like the obvious one where, where even if it was starting, it would have to be something that Microsoft had absolutely zero clue about and never got clued in on. And somehow Sony was able to offer them money and enough to where they didn't feel like maybe we could get more out of Microsoft. Yeah, but no, never mind. I'm wrong. My timeline was off, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, I yeah. mean, it's definitely not likely, but it would be very funny. Because also think of the trajectory, right? Crystal Dynamics makes a Tomb Raider inspired by Uncharted. They get bought by Sony and they make a Uncharted 5 game. That would be a hell of a thing to do. And that would be they great. They make Uncharted inspired by Tomb Raider? Well, yeah, I mean. And the cycle continues game. again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a, yeah. new, a new Amazon studio makes a, uh, Unchar- a Tomb Raider inspired by Uncharted that was inspired by Tomb Raider that was inspired by Uncharted that was inspired by Tomb Raider. <laughs> yeah, let's just keep going. Um, yeah. All right, last one. He says, Pie in the sky, it won't happen, but fuck it. Xbox brings Game Pass to PS5 with limited games. Um, we're going to talk a bit later in the episode about whether or not that is as crazy as an idea as it may have sounded to some people. And this is something we've been talking about off and on in the show for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be fun to kind of get back into that once we get into the news. Uh, all right. We're going to do one from Duh Overlord, who says, a new PlayStation showcase. And also, let me give a second. Duh, I don't think we've heard from you, so thank you, first and foremost, Welcome for the joining the Discord and for uh, sending in your responses. So he says, a new PS showcase-level event, which is is needed in my opinion quite clearly uh, um, i like that there's a government classification for a sony event a, a showcase <laughs> mr level. president we've got a showcase level event <laughs> <laughs> threat level showcase <laughs> he's got to stop reading children's books and he's like oh, <laughs> the event is at the tower i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you bringing that up made me think of the moment in Scary Movie 3 whenever the uh, the Girl Scouts or whatever are up there and like the president is the dude from the Naked Gun and he just starts f- freaking out and everything and then he's over there and it's, he's like, what do you have in there? And he's like waiting for his security guard to tell him something. He's like, oh, nothing, sir. Just bump it some old Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see a second later, it's like he's, he puts the headphone in. He's like, this shit is popping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leslie Nielsen, I think is his name. Yes. That guy was hilarious. Quite funny. Um, all right. So he says, yeah, rip. Two, Nintendo will announce new IP, both. And I'm curious to see this because as we went through last week, so much of their games this year that they have announced, which is quite a bit, actually, they have plenty of output. A lot of them are remasters of legacy titles. 
or new party titles, kind of like the Mario versus Donkey Kong and uh, Peach's shakeup game or whatever she's doing. So when you look at it that way, these seem like end of life games to where the whole point is we're going to announce something big with the Switch 2. I'm curious to see what it is. Yeah. But I'm not holding my breath. Because it's, it's a bold one because I could see the necessity for it. But when's the last time we actually saw genuinely new IP from Nintendo, even on the Switch? It's been a while. Last generation, though. It was ARMS and Splatoon. Well, I know, but I'm saying on Switch, it's been a while. Oh, sure. Fair. Yeah, because like they had a couple... I would struggle to call this their IP, but they technically own it at this point. Uh, they they bought it out. Um, my favorite game, Astral Chain, that has been on Switch, it's my favorite game I played on Switch, mm-hmm. uh, was new IP and for their system and exclusive, and they now own the rights to it uh, that Platinum did, but they've not done anything else with it since. And they've it's just kind of been a weird thing. They've really relied on how strong their IP is lately. Metroid, Dread, course the uh, ever looming metroid prime 4 the metroid remastered uh, all the zelda games that have come on switch which is only two realistically from them but even leaning into that ip with third-party support like when um they did the dynasty warrior style games with them where it was uh, hyrule warriors yeah. um so when you look at all those things they have leaned very heavily pikmin 4 came back around as a, a new pikmin title uh, there was of course Animal Crossing. So Switch was by and large legacy IP that is that managed to continue to grow and get bigger than they've ever been. Um, so it's high time for them to announce new IP, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm confident they'll do it. So I, I like the prediction, though. It's pretty good. Uh, and then his last one, he says, my forever pipe dream, a new Jack and Daxter game. And with that, I have a question for you, the overlord. Who is the developer? Is it Naughty Dog? No. And if it's Naughty Dog, do you believe that modern day Naughty Dog could even do that series justice for what you wanted and liked out of it? Um, I think some people do agree that that would be okay and they would do a good job with it and they like how Naughty Dog has changed. But I think other people feel like they like Naughty Dog for what they've become, but they don't see how their modern game design could play into a Jack story very well. You kind of had a, a moment there, Chris. What do you think about it? I I mean this with all due respect to Jack and Daxter. Naughty Dog spending three to five years making a Jack and Daxter game would be the biggest waste of time I could possibly think of. Give that to any other team. I'm not saying don't make Jack and Daxter, but could you imagine after The Last of Us 3 you get an announcement of a Jack and Daxter game from Naughty Dog? I'm sorry, that it'd would be, not... It'd be <sighs> wild. It'd be really cool, but I don't, I don't see it happening either. Would I have it be a, cool, I a, though? I mean, yes, but that is, here's the thing. It, wouldn't, it would be cool, but you, there would always be this sense of, what is this IP 20 years later? What is this IP to them 20 years later? How are they going to change it? Is it going to change in a way I'm familiar with? But I think the initial excitement of seeing Naughty Dog hit the screen and then Jack would be like, whoa, shit. Well, sure. that Of course. Yeah. You know, that would be great. But the opportunity cost of one of the premier studios in this games industry making a 3D mascot platformer for five years would be just 
asinine use of money. I'm so not saying I don't have, bring Jack back. Don't have also, Naughty Dog bring it back. Give it to a Sobi or Sobo, whatever their name is. I don't know how many Jack. I don't know how many Jack games you played. Mm. Uh, so I don't really know how familiar with the gameplay you are after Jack One. Uh, I just say that generally speaking. So for anyone that is not aware, Jack One is very much a platformer. I mean, arguably an action platformer, but it's very platform heavy, and you can see a lot more of the crash DNA in it, even though it's open world. Two was just like, fuck it. Now we're just like a more animated take on Grand Theft Auto with Dark Jack and all this different stuff, and you can fly around in cars, and it's wild how much it changed. And then three is just like a gritty shooter, what Mad Max in the Jack universe. And then it was Jack X car combat racing, where it was just racing it was basically a kart racer hidden under the fact that it was way more brutal it was like if twisted metal was actually a racing game that you could also blow your enemies up in so the trajectory of that series i'm all i'm really getting at there is that that series became much more like modern naughty dog as the series even progressed i think it was kind of the uh the linchpin for how they ended up at a game like uncharted and then really, I think you can see even more of that dark grittiness where you look at in um, The Last of Us, uh, you know, when you look at the absence of Amy Hennig as a buffer and, and to some degree, even Uncharted 4 when you didn't have Amy Hennig. And Bruce. So, and Bruce, you're right. But across the board, I think that you see there's more of a connection than is immediately obvious, but it's still a weird thing to think. How do they go back to a series like that? But... I have a surprise candidate for that game if they ever decide to do it that I don't know that they would, nor do I even know if Sony feels like there's a need for this. Um, but if you were going to do a new Jack and Daxter game, I think Ember Labs. Yeah, I could see that. That'd be cool. Kena, I think, shares enough DNA with uh, you know old mascot action platformers, but it also was difficult often. And it had a surprisingly in-depth combat. Mm-hmm. And I think if you kind of take that and kind of go back to the Jack world where you do have some established grittiness, uh, but you still want platforming and you still want action and you still want actual combat that's kind of grueling, I think they might be able to balance that out. And I also think they have the right kind of art direction for a game like that. So Yeah, I mean, I could see it. But I'd, I'd be curious to hear from you, uh, Duh Overlord, whether or not you are willing to have another studio work on it? And if so, who that studio is? Because, you know, uh, a good example is like Sanzaru Games messing with Ratchet, I mean, uh, messing with Sly Cooper. And not everyone was on board for that. I quite enjoyed it, but I understand why some people were like, no. Because inherently it's new people who look at the series through a different lens and have a different view of what it was and what it is to them, so... Absolutely. Uh, again, nothing wrong with the series. I just think that would be a big step back for them. Yeah. I mean, stranger things have happened. Unless you told uh, me this was like a 10-person Skunk Works team while everyone else was doing The Last of Us 3 and whatever their new IP is. Otherwise, man, I'd be like, this was yikes. <laughs> I, I don't know. The fact that they still let... you know, The fact that Insomniac has still been cranking out Ratchet and Clank games, I think says that Sony has a want for that part of the industry to get recognized as long as they actually feel like it can recover the money's put into it. Is it that? Or is uh, Insomniac getting to do Ratchet because they don't want to be a Marvel studio, but they have to acknowledge that's how they make their money, and Sony has to keep them happy 
So like you can you have to make these Marvel games, you get one ratchet, then we're going back to Marvel because Ratchet's not gonna make us the same money as X Men well, cross Spider Man or whatever look, the hell. And they maybe do. maybe you're correct, but the fact that we got a ratchet on PS4 and we've not seen Jack and Daxter at all since PS2, I think says something well, about that- the differences between what Sony's willing to let. I think Sony's willing to let them work on a Jack and Daxter. I do genuinely think that. That doesn't mean Sony's going to green light it uh, after a certain period. But I think Sony would be allowed, like, would be like, okay, Naughty Dog, if you want to make Jack and Daxter, do a conceptual phase. Let's talk about what you think it is. Maybe even give you enough to kind of build up a quick gameplay slice demo to kind of explain what you want to do with the game. And then we'll go from there. Um I'd be curious to see, but the fact that it gets talked about as often as it does by anyone at Naughty Dog does seem interesting to me, but it's worth noting that almost every time it's talked about, it's kind of talked about with this thing of like, is there more that, is there any new stories for us to even tell in that world? And is it worth going back to? And if we go back to it, it has to feel like it has a purpose and not just because fans wanted it. So you have to strike that kind of balance. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. Well, Chris, how about we uh, wrap that up and call that the end of the community stake? Thank you to everyone who uh, chimed in and gave us your thoughts. I think there's some pretty interesting uh, predictions there, and it'll be curious to see if any of them come true. So we're going to move into the news. uh, And as we do, I want to remind everyone, if you listen to the show and you enjoy it and you think that it is worth anyone else's time, please consider, if you're on a podcast service, giving the show a review or a rating. If it allows you to review and give a little more insight on what you do and don't like about the show, that'd be great. And remember... We have timestamps for you so that you can listen only to what you think drives your interest and not have to spend time on something that doesn't necessarily pull you in. Those were a great suggestion that we got as a means of reviews, and uh, we've been glad to offer them in. So hopefully you enjoy those. But as we get into the news, the first piece here uh, is pretty good news for Sony. They have announced huge numbers for its PlayStation 5 console. At CES, Sony announced that they have 123 million monthly active users on the family of consoles. This is in addition to the announcement that 50 million PS5 consoles have been sold. The PS4 reached this number just a week faster than the PS5 did, but given the environment the PS5 released into, as we all know, that number is insanely impressive, definitely considering how hard it was for them to even meet demand initially, and the fact that they've only recently been able to really keep that demand uh, where it needs to be. Sony still plans on shipping 25 million units in this fiscal year, ending in March 2024, if they are going to hit their, uh, their mark, so... Be really curious to see if that three-month period can kind of pull that off. But either way, very impressive. Uh, during CES, Sony also showed a glimpse of a Gravity Rush movie, uh, as well as updates on the Horizon and God of War series that are coming up, uh, as they kind of did a little dive into their PlayStation Productions uh, side. So, a lot to unpack there. First and foremost, 123 million active monthly users that doesn't necessarily mean playstation plus users but that is a very good number and Mm -hmm. one that any company in this market would be uh hard pressed to scoff at you know what it also includes which i think is the most interesting part is six million playstation 3 users yeah i thought that was wild but in a good way like hell yeah because technically i am one of those (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) um Though I'm curious, how many of those are strictly PS3 users? 
Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. That's that's genuine curiosity. Uh, that's pretty incredible. The 50 million PS5s, considering that the first two to three years of the system's lifespan were rife with issues and trying to even get them onto store shelves. I think this is an incredible achievement. And I think it's really interesting that the whole, I, I remember now part of where the conversation was going, at least uh, whenever I talked about it being at work, uh, one of the people out there had said something about, uh, they talked about PS3 having no games or whatever. Um, and I thought, you know, it's interesting. Anybody that said PS3 has no games only remembers like the first year and a half or two years of PS3. Mm-hmm. Because after that, PS3 had so many fucking games. Bangers, um, dude. Bangers, too. You just left and right. So many <clears throat> good games. P- plenty of which I've literally never even played. That should be enough to tell you. Um, but, you know, he, he made a kind of a follow-up joke, which I think rang a little more true. Because, you know, the, the heart of all humor is that there is an element of truth to it. Mm-hmm. Um and he was saying, unlike the PS5, which really doesn't have any games, and I clearly don't agree that the PS5 has no games, but I have been surprised with how low the output has been in comparison to even PS4, to even PS3, which is not too much surprise from PS3 side because <clears throat> games didn't take five years to be made, but it's uh, it's the reality of where we are. There's more games than ever, but there's less exclusives than ever, it feels like. That's the best way I can describe it. So if you liked PlayStation for all these years because of what you can only play on their system, there's seemingly been less of that. Maybe that's just an optics thing because of how much releases, that contextually it feels like so little. Um, but I don't know. I, I'd be kind of curious to see if that can be dissected and if there really isn't a insane difference in it. Rather, it's just the context of the gaming that's releasing around it makes it feel like too little of that is PlayStation only. Not that it has to be. It's just what we're kind of used to as a, as a long-time player. So, mm-hmm. um, Chris, did you see the little glimpse of the Gravity Rush movie? It looks weird. Yeah. I, was that a pr- I'm not sure if it's live action yeah. or if it was like a CG previs to show what they kind of want to do with the movie. I thought it was um, that. I thought it was CG yeah. like... This is the look we're going for. Maybe it's an animated movie, and that would be the best way to do it. I think so, too. But I'm curious if Sony's bold enough to try animated stuff. And we have a question that kind of goes along with this part of it. So I actually want to move into that real quick. Um, Okay, move in. But while I'm doing that, how likely do you think we are for PlayStation to actually hit that 25 million in these first first quarter of this year? Um, I'm not going to put anything past uh, Jim Ryan in his final days. Be kind of wild, but it is certainly possible. So (laughs) let's have to see what ends up happening. Um, So let's see what we have here. It was from Josh Ayers, one of our patrons. He says, now that we have seen some PS movies and shows, which we have uh, release, is there any IP you want to see adapted that has not been announced yet? And, you know, we joked the other day, Josh and I, whenever he actually posted about CES and about that little clip. And I thought, yeah, it's a really interesting way to go. And Gravity Rush is not an obvious movie uh, candidate for me on the IP scale. I'm a little surprised they're going for it, but I'm also glad to see it. It's just, it's, it's a very Japanese IP. It's an obvious anime. And I know, like, there's like that little tinge of, oh, it's Japanese, so you want them to be an anime. But, like, it, I can only envision a mo- uh, uh, something like that being animated. Like, what do I want to watch? I don't know. The girl who plays Betsy Brant in Spider-Man play 
the a cat. Like, I don't want to see that movie. You know, um, I just don't know. I think a lot of uh, a lot of the Japanese games that kind of get looked at in this thing are also very long games, and that's becoming true of gaming as a whole now. So it's a little harder for that to be the main. Not even critique, but just point where you go, huh, how viable is that trying to shrink that into a two-hour or so movie? Um, but I think a lot of it is that the the charm and the design was clearly made with the intent to be very anime-like and anime-driven. And if you think about the way that cutscenes played out in something like Gravity Rush, do they have to play out that way? No, but that's part of the charm of the IP. And they play out with like little comic blocks where the characters break through sometimes and they're often not voice acted and there's voice, there's like text bubbles and all sorts of things. And you kind of look at it and you're like, that is a lot of the makeup of the IP. And I think that you get to that point where some people were worried, like whenever Scarlett Johansson's uh, live action take on uh, Ghost, Ghost in the Shell. Show. And it's like, I, I don't have a, a comment on that movie because I own it, but I've yet to watch it. I need to. Uh, I don't know how much it deviated or how much it felt like it's IP that it was in relation to. But sometimes certain things just don't translate well into live action. And I feel like this is one of them. Um, I kind of thought it would never happen. But I thought it would be really cool for Sony to use this as a way to leverage other studios and do cool collaborations. And since <clears throat> Sony has gotten with Level 5 and made a uh, Level 5 slash Studio Ghibli game, I thought it'd be really cool to have Studio Ghibli be like, hey, do you want to make a li- an animated Studio Ghibli Gravity Rush movie? That would be sick. Dude. But Dude. I don't think it would ever happen. But I think it would be very cool. God, No. I couldn't see Miyazaki, one of Miyazaki's last movies being a oh, Sony so IP. Either. Definitely not but Gravity again, Rush. But every movie he makes is supposed to be his last one. So, it's, But hey, you know what? Balls out to the man. I'll give it to him because if you're going to sit there and be in this industry, you, you probably need to treat every single thing that you do as if this is going to be your final work. Oh, yeah. And, and if so, you're going to more than likely get banger after banger after banger after mm-hmm. banger. The only movie from Ghibli that I've seen kind of get and reviews was the one movie that came out uh, a few years back that uh, Miyazaki did not direct. Yeah. Season so, Goat. Uh, but the new one, The Boy and the Heron or whatever, has gotten uh, incredible reviews. I want to see and it. And it looks so bad. incredible. Yeah. So, but I they would should, love to see that. I even think a, it somewhat stylistically fits <clears> into <throat> the way that they portray worlds, you know? Yeah, they should do. Oh, I, I started this as a joke, but it would actually be really sick. They can go two ways with it a resistance or a kill zone movie done by Ghibli that's just Grave of the Fireflies in those universes. Yeah. And here's the thing if you if you didn't give it to Ghibli, someone would be like, you're just ripping Ghibli off. If right. you give it to Ghibli, be like, oh, it's self referential. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds a lot more like a joke, but that would be kind of interesting to see. Yeah. So who knows? Plate of the uh, right. So going back to the heart of the question, is there an IP that you want to see adapted <clears throat> that has not been announced yet? Uh, I have like we, a weird in-between answer, but I, I want to hear yours before I get Are we on. sticking with Sony? I, I mean, I think in the spirit of the question, it's trying to be that. But if you want to broaden it out to games as a whole, I mean, gaming is, is in general is definitely hitting the movie and, and TV sphere hard. I'll give, so. you, I'll give you two weird ones that will not happen. Okay. <clears throat> Sony? Right? Is this is a, this is a Sony exclusive? Give me a Tokyo Jungle movie. Interesting. Okay. All animals. Fucking awesome. That would be sick. Like, uh, what's that one where the dog, the cat, and like the 
goat cross America. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you talking about Homeward Bound? Yes. Yes. It's not a goat, but okay. I couldn't remember. Um, my two dogs one, and a cat voiced by Sally Field. <laughs> my second one would be uh, Tom Cruise led. This would be very important. And it would be Alpha Protocol. Okay. Give me a big That's budget a very spy movie. <laughs> okay. I have a weird one. Uh, yeah. It's not my go-to one, but because I feel like my first answer is a bit more of a cheat um, in technicality's sake, then I'm going to give another one. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, so this has technically been announced before and then just continuously died, and it was done so long ago that I, I think it's worth saying that they've not re-announced it as part of anything in relation to PlayStation Productions. I cannot believe that Sly Cooper has not been turned into an animated film series or something because I'm going to be honest, of all of the PlayStation mascots, Ratchet, uh, Ratchet, Jack, all the PS2 ones, Sly Cooper is the most universal. He's the most gener- like generically family-friendly. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. I think he's got good pull. The cast of characters is really unique. I think it's something that kids would really drive into and adults would really like because it's kind of like making your your spy thriller heist movies and then also just doing it as a child's movie in a way and kind of bridging that gap. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why they didn't do that. And I've always thought it was weird that Sony had this IP that, that was so obviously able to be something that could cross the, the genre lines and they just never did. And then when they finally announced it and did that little trailer back in like 2013 or whatever it was, I was like, awesome. They're finally doing it. It's such a good idea. And it's just been dead in the water. I don't know why they've not been able to get that off the ground and it may be too late now, maybe not, but I just feel like they have had 20 years of this character that they could have done this with. And they never really moved the needle on it at all. And the one time that they tried it with any, anyone, it was with Ratchet and Clank, and it was literally just the game as a movie. Come on. Well, they announced, what, 200 <laughs> episodes of a TV, of a Ratchet show, too, right? No, it was Sly. Uh, Wasn't it Sly? It was, they, they announced that they were going to do a Sly show, and they put out a... Well, actually, it was going to be a Sly movie. Then, a couple years later, it was like, well, we're still going to do Sly, but it's going to be a TV show. And that's the last we've heard of it. And it's nothing to show for it. And didn't they sign, like, 200 episodes of the thing? I don't think so, but they may have, and I'm just not familiar with it. Let's see. Sly Cooper TV series, 200 episodes. I mean, I don't know. Let's kind of do something to that degree. Um, Yeah, in 2018, July 2018, the official website for the series was updated with a release date of October 2019 for the first half of season one. Wow. Never happened. So it was going to be called Sly Cooper Rise of the Legendary Thief. Sounds and that's like not a, even that's not even the original one that was going to be. Sounds like a Disney show, honestly. Ah, no, hold on. This is a fan series. This is not the actual thing. Interesting. Oh, what's your next? So the IP? actual one never had an actual name. Gotcha. But mm-hmm. yep, uh, the series was first announced in June 2017. So that was after they went from being a movie into that. It was going to be 52 episodes. Gotcha. Cool, man. 
unfortunately, that doesn't matter. So it never it never came. But my less cheated answer is something that they've definitely not talked about is if they're going to will if they're willing to dig into the IP <clears throat> graveyard and dig out something that I love and was very beloved but didn't sell necessarily very well in the terms of Gravity Rush, I think that I'd like to see them let Guillermo del Toro make a uh, puppeteer movie. movie. Ooh. Where he does it in a similar way to how he did his Pinocchio movie, where it's like stop motion or any kind of interesting animation style uh, that could fit into that. And it would kind of tie in because, you know, he did Pinocchio and and Puppeteer, you're a puppet. I just think it'd be really cool. And I like Guillermo del Toro. So that would be fantastic. And they've worked with him because of Kojima. So hear me out. Guillermo del Toro makes a PT movie. They'd have to buy it from Konami, but, you know. <laughs> Might as well. What are they doing with it? Hell, Konami make the movie. Why not at this point? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, anyway, good question. I thought that one was pretty fun. So uh, I'm still really curious, but I'd say this, Chris. After The Last of Us, which is a show mm-hmm. I didn't watch because I didn't need to, or I didn't feel the need to, but obvious quality, mm-hmm. um, which is good. Uh, the Uncharted movie did well, even though I don't, I don't think it was terrible. I just don't think it was great. But it did well, so it didn't really matter. And on the TV side of things, I think Gran Turismo did pretty well. Mostly great words around it. They seem to be on a pretty solid trajectory. So after Twisted Metal, a lot of the fears I had over some of the TV shows kind of left me. But I am keeping a little bit of a wall up because Twisted Metal didn't have as obvious of an adaptation point, which I think led to them doing something original which I enjoyed. I think Horizon and God of War are going to very closely mimic their source material. And I mm-hmm. think that, that will be good for people who want to see that happen again and draw in new fans. And it'll do the same thing where my mom will be like, have you heard of this God of War thing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, mom. But unfortunately for me, I don't yet feel confident in that those are going to be shows that are necessarily made with my proclivities proclivities in mind which is fine i mean not everything has to be made for me it's just it's not overtly obvious yet how sony approaches adapting ip yet yeah so yeah i i thought it was interesting that they called it uh horizon zero dawn yeah which i think that's kind of where i was like i think it tells me where they're wanting to go with it but that mm-hmm. kind of seems wild because why are you giving a tv series a surname. Well, I think what it's telling you is it's going to be the same as the as the the game. Like that's and the that story they're me, telling. Yeah, for sure. But then what happens <clears throat> if it's a breakaway success? Is season two going to have a surname, or is it just going to still just be called Horizon Zero Dawn and they're just going to continue into telling the story of Forbidden West? You know what I mean? I do. It's a bold Fair choice. Point. I would have thought they would have just called it Horizon, but maybe. Maybe maybe the IP that they own can't be Horizon because it's too generic of a name, so it has to be Horizon Zero Dawn. But yeah. it seems unlikely, considering that the second game is called Forbidden West. But not impossible. We did have The Fast and The Furious. Too Fast, <laughs> Too Furious. The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Fast and Furious. Yeah. Fast Five. Fast Seven. Fast and Furious Six. Fast X. <laughs> Fast Seven. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, was it Furious Seven and then Fate of the Eight? <laughs> That's the worst one. I hate that one. 
<laughs> so my point being is uh, apparently intellectual property is not inherently tied down to a name. No. So we'll see. Otherwise, Paramount would be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to keep moving on. The next piece of news here, um, as Chris chose to write in a very uh, interesting tone, he says, prophecy foretold on this show is looking to be coming to pass. According to many reliable leakers and industry insiders, Xbox is moving some of their back catalog to different cons- uh, different consoles. The consensus seems to be that Hi-Fi Rush, the indie-style darling from Tango Gameworks, and Rare's 2018 Games as a Service title, Sea of Thieves, are going to be making their way to PS5. There's no confirmation in just what leakers and outlets are hearing, but biggest among the voices echoing the sentiment is Jeff Grubb, Steven Totillo, and even Xbox Echo, Echo Chamber Windows Central are both reporting the shifting of the tides. Oh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> here's This is kind of what we're talking about with this idea that Game Pass won't come to PlayStation, and, and maybe it won't. I still feel like... The, the incentive on PlayStation side is still too small for them. So I'd be curious to see what would have to happen on Microsoft's side to move the needle enough. But regardless, there does seem to be some inclination here, of course, that games could be coming over. But I think even if you want to look at this as a rumor, if you want to try and back it up with anything else to see how potentially true it is, Ori in the Blind Forest and the follow-up game are both on Switch. Yep. As Dust Falls is on PlayStation 5 right now. As is we, Scorn, Minecraft, <clears throat> Immortality there are is coming. A, there are a lot of games that are exclusive or that were made as part of Xbox Game Studios that are already on other consoles. This is not without precedent. So with that in mind, I don't think that this is as crazy. Hi-Fi Rush had a very limited audience on Xbox. I think they were aware of that. And I think moving that... Honestly, the initial rumors said it was going to be PS5 and Switch. And if I'm going to be honest, Switch might have had to get killed because it couldn't run the game solidly enough because as a rhythm game, it needs to be higher frame rate in order to be more precise. Um, I think that if they could have, Switch is actually probably the ideal system for the type of game Hi-Fi Rush is. But if nothing else... PlayStation has, again, a small niche for this, but that niche is on a much bigger user base, and therefore the game can get a lot more recognition and a lot more recoupment of, of investment. It mm-hmm. is what it is. I think it's a smart choice. But that one's a little less obvious than Sea of Thieves, which I think is a very obvious choice. The game's been out. It's, it's enjoyed its exclusivity, and it's a games-as-a-service title that can only stand to benefit from ha- being on as many things as possible. Mm-hmm. And since Xbox has already broken that seal so many times, why not do it with this one? You can argue the same way. Why would Sony not do it with any of their games as a service titles? But there's something to be said about the fact that it seems like Sony is releasing all of their games as a service titles on on PC day one. So they understand that isolating them to a single environment is not ideal. Um, So with that in mind, I think that this sounds fairly plausible. Where are you at on this, Chris? I mean, I, we've talked about it a bunch. It just seems like what we've been saying coming true, but is that kind of where you think you're at with it? Yeah. Um, I think this makes the most sense. Um, one of my theories about it actually is that High Five Rush is the obvious pick because that game was probably done on PlayStation already. Uh, I'm curious. You might be right. Yeah. Because it came, it came out so close to... Um, what am I trying to say? What's the word? 
so close after the deal that it was clearly a game that was almost ready. And they were able to just bong shadow drop it. So you'd think at the very least development work is done enough on PlayStation that this wasn't that hard of a thing to do. Maybe. I mean, if you look at it, Ghostwire Tokyo was what, March of 2022? And that mm-hmm. game did come out. So you're, you're probably right. It was enough, far enough along that it, there was at least probably a PS5 version already in development to some degree. Um, so that's, that's certainly an interesting one. Well, we've got a question that kind of backs up alongside of this from JehudiMD. He says, um, what game would you want on PlayStation from Xbox? And he further asked, what game would fit best in the PlayStation ecosystem and what game do you think would sell the most? Um, so we can kind of take those either as an all-in-one or kind of break down which games you think best fit each category. Uh, um, but starting off, what game would you want even on the PlayStation from Xbox's side? State of Decay 2. Okay. And that's also an online-driven game, right? It is. Uh, less so, but yeah. But still, online community, maybe not necessarily games as a service. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't yeah. need it on PlayStation to make more money, basically. Certainly. Um, hmm. At least monthly money. I think if I'm looking at games that are on the horizon, um, of course, I would love for Hellblade 2 to be on PlayStation. I think that that's a, an obvious fit for me. And that's really just because I want to keep my ability to get the platinum for that game alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think stepping back into a game that's already out and about, I actually think Sea of Thieves is the answer. Yeah. Uh, I often want to play Sea of Thieves, but I don't always want to have to go and like, because now I don't have Xbox Live. If I wanted to play it right now, I didn't need to play it on PC. So I don't have to use Xbox Live. Or if I want to play it on my console, which is generally where I'd prefer it, then I'm going to need to pay for Xbox Live. Uh, or at this point, what they call it, uh, was it Xbox Game Pass Core? Yeah, um, I believe so. So with those things in mind, I think that's a, a good fit because I do think it's a good game and a fun game. And there's a lot of people I would like to enjoy that game with who just don't have means to play it. So that's definitely one of them. I wouldn't be surprised in the same regard. To it'd be way wilder, and I, I think they would know that, and they wouldn't make this decision as lightly, even though it was rumored at one point. Um, I think Halo Infinite multiplayer being, because it's already a separate title anyway, but if they brought that to PlayStation, whew, that would be that would, pretty dang wild. I would play that. <clears throat> All right, let's uh, shift over a little bit. What game do you think would best fit the PlayStation ecosystem? Halo. Why is that? Sony doesn't have any first-person shooters. So you think it's just an... Well, yeah, but this wouldn't be first-person or first-party at that point, right? No, but... Yeah, I mean... It'd be competition for Apex and Call of Duty and everything on that side. So I don't think the need is as immediate, even though I I see where you're coming from. I, I think that there's... Well, I guess at that point... See if Thieves makes more sense because there's less competition in that type of game. I mean, if we're thinking of what fits the Sony family best, isn't the answer Gears? Third-person, over-the-shoulder action game? Maybe. It's still more of a shooter, but yeah, of what they have out right now, the one that most closely fits in is probably Gears. Yeah. Uh, I mean, In terms of there need... Are, I, I would actually love for something like Quantum Break to come over, mm-hmm. uh, but that's, that's a, it's a much older title. I would actually love to see it get a second life by Sunset means of coming to PlayStation. Um yeah, though from everything we've seen, doesn't that seem to be in PlayStation's 
ball, like ball court. Microsoft, but Microsoft has the publishing rights for the title for the first one and the next two, so that's why it's never happening. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know. I didn't see for the next two. I just saw for the for the first one. Yeah. So basically, Um, Sony would have to buy that out. If and the cost of entry would be so high, they why would they want to? Right. Um, Honestly, the real answer, as low that I am to give it, because it's very it'll it's very fanboyish. But the answer in terms of need of what the PlayStation system needs is Starfield, Avowed, Fable, Clockwork RPGs. Revolution, RPGs. Yeah, yeah. Clockwork Revolution looks so awesome. I cannot like, wait for I Bioshock wish 5. that. Yeah, I <laughs> wish they would have shown more gameplay instead of it just being really a fancified CG trailer, even if it was in engine. It's still very cool vibes, but yeah. you know, that's where we are. Uh, all right, and then what name? What game do you think would sell the most? I, I think Starfield. If I'm being Star- real, Starfield. Although I could see sneaky pick the uh, Halo Master Chief Collection doing the best. Master Chief, yeah, Master Chief Collection would be an interesting choice, and that was the one that was actually rumored to one at one point be considered to release on PlayStation. Yeah. Um, that, that, if I remember right, that came from Colin of, of all people. So it did. Yeah. I, I, I think it bears good credence to think that it's probably true that they were at least considering it at one point. Yeah. Uh, clearly, it didn't happen for some reason. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so shifting a little bit for you, since I kind of gave one that was more out and about. Do you have a game on the horizon that you think would be a really good fit to be a uh, to be one of them move over? Be it. It won't happen day one, but I could see them doing what PlayStation does with PC for PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Hey, the game's going to come out. It'll have a year on Xbox and, and PC exclusivity. It'll be on Game Pass forever, so it'll be a big value point. But then we'll move it over. I'm not saying every game will do that, but I could see that. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, avowed? Avowed, yeah. I think the answer is just avowed. If we're looking at the future slate... That's the most exciting for me. Oh, no, fuck that. Outer Worlds 2. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was weird. Yeah, because I think Outer Worlds 2 is definitely... Avowed looks great. I'm not trying to downplay it at all. but Yeah, but I've played Skyrim. I want to play the Outer Worlds 2. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's keep moving on here. Uh, the next piece of news, while a firm date doesn't exist for either title, according to Sony, Metal Gear Solid Delta, which is the name for the Metal Gear Solid 3 remake, and Silent Hill 2 are both releasing in 2024 are still anticipated to. The article these were listed in does have a caveat listed that these games are expected to release in 2024. So even this is barely confirmation of release window. What this basically means is that there's a little bit more uh, smoke for a potential fire, but don't get your hopes up if you're in, in actually planning on having it be something that you are for sure going to play this year. Uh, the upside of this is it lends some credence to uh, Chris's kind <laughs> of surprise choice of Silent Hill 2 during the, the draft. Um, but it's it's iffy enough that it's like, it's better than nothing for them to talk about it again for you, but it's not enough to be like, yeah, there's still a decent chance that you may want to drop that. <laughs> you know, I'm confident in Silent Hill. Um, Concord being named as a 2024 game a couple times was one where I'm like, thanks for the confidence. I don't believe you, but thanks. <laughs> I'd love to be wrong. Uh, and I would love to actually see, even though it's, it doesn't feel like a Sony move, but that doesn't mean Sony has to keep doing their same moves. So that's very important to start this off with. Um, but if PS5 Pro does come this year, 
like I kind of predicted, and I've seen a few other people kind of throw out there and put their hat in that ring. Usually that comes with a game that is immediately on the horizon that will show that off. (laughs) As we saw with Horizon Zero Dawn for the PS4 Pro. Um, (laughs) With that in mind, though, Sony has a, a litany of games that can see PS5 Pro benefits like they did with, you know, a bunch of the PS4 titles going back like Uncharted to uh, Uncharted 4 and, and Infamous Second Son and so on and so forth. But what I think is a little less obvious right now is what would be Sony's big, hey, this is our Sony's type game that they show right now that's going to come. And that's not immediately obvious unless it's supposed to be conquered or fair games. And I feel like that's a really interesting choice to try and showcase a pro system with, unless you're going to really try and speak to the core gamers where you can be like, you can play these games online with 120 frames per second so that you can have cutting edge chance of beating your opponents and blah, 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 no delay. And, you know, it's like, that's the only way I could see that working. But I don't know that that speaks to the general consumer as much as, hey, Look at Uncharted 5 with its incredible 4K 60 frames per second. Done by Sony San Diego. Um, I actually... (laughs) Hmm. I don't know if Sony would have the balls to do this, but it's Sony, so they probably do have the balls to do it. (laughs) Last of Us 1 Plus Part 2 Double Pack PS5 Pro, $60. Am I crazy? Is that not a move they would do? It's a move they would do, but I don't know if it's as immediate of the... I mean, maybe it is. Maybe I'm not giving that as much uh, credit as it may deserve. My, But it's still, not a, it's still not a new title to be like, ha, this is your showcase well, really no. showing you what the PS5 Pro can do. Yeah. I, if I was going to give my honest answer, I would be willing to bet this is announced with Ghost of Tsushima 2. See, I could see that. I could see it being that, hey, it's announced and it's going to release this year and Ghost of Tsushima 2 will be the first first party game that benefits from it, even if it doesn't come out in 2024. But even then, I could see them walking on stage and being like, this holiday season, we're announcing Ghost of Tsushima 2 and the PS5 Pro for $700 in a pack together in November. Like, that would make a total sense. Because there's been rumors of a showcase the end of this month, next month, probably March, April, May, June, July, August, September, November, and December, there will be a PlayStation showcase. But it would make a ton of sense to be like, hey, in February, we're announcing the PS5 Pro, we're announcing our slate, Ghost of Tsushima is the end of this year. That's your holiday game. Because right now, they don't really have a holiday game. Yeah, but I just I'd be really hard pressed to see them manage to get Ghost of Tsushima to developed yeah. and released in a, in a four year window. If it not even well, yeah, if it released if it released after July seventeenth, then it would be a four four year window, and that just seems that's not been common. Let me say that much. Um, well. I would I mean, love for that to be the case, but I, I would I'd be curious to see how possible that is. I definitely think that you're right in that it will be announced this year. It seems like a very obvious announcement, uh, much in the same way that we got God of War Ragnarok announced and, you know, about a year and a half in, in advance of its release. Uh, Forbidden West, similar. Um, Spider-Man 2, similar. So, if anything, I think Wolverine is the first example of a game that's really far out from when we first saw it. 
That would actually be a good answer. Hey, Wolverine, if, if it was actually ready, yeah. Sure. November, Wolverine comes out, and so does the PS5 Pro. Yeah. And they show off so. the blood physics or whatever for no load times, and the blood looks sick. Maybe. Maybe, just maybe. Uh, all right, so we've got one more piece of news here, and it's in regards to Hogwarts Legacy, you know, that, that the game that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> so as everyone may remember, that game was, you know what? I'm just going to let Chris's version of the news go out. So Hogwarts oh, Legacy has cost Avada Kedavra on idiotic boycotts this year as publisher WB announces more projects for the IP are coming and announced massive sales for the game, which has topped 22 million copies sold. As of December, Hogwarts Legacy actually beat out Call of Duty, a first in many years at least, when there isn't a Rockstar Games release. Yeah, dude, 22 million in a year. I know the game came out in March, so you you did get a majority of a year, but that is incredible for an IP of a game. Uh, you know, people have wanted Harry Potter games forever, and we never really got this quality and this type. And now that we finally got it, clearly there was people chomping at the bit for it. But I, I still find it so weird that I understand people wanted to boycott it. People wanted to give their two cents and say why maybe you shouldn't buy it. And all of that's fine, and all of that's valid. But I think mm. it's been pretty interesting how silenced this game was when talking about it from the award season and looking back and reflecting on the year in games. Because regardless of how you feel about whether the game should have been made and regardless of how you feel about how that 22 million copies sold reflects in some potential form of earnings for the author of the series, realistically speaking, this was the biggest game of the year and it was treated much like in the series Voldemort is. Like, you can't (laughs) talk about it. You just don't acknowledge it. But just like in the series, what happens when you don't talk about this thing? It builds power from in the shadows. And that's exactly what happened with this title. (laughs) It's not the canon reason you don't say his name, but whatever. Oh, I know that. But I'm saying that what happens when you don't do something, when you kind of try to avoid a problem and act like it's not there or avoid something and act like it's not there, is that that doesn't mean it goes away. It just builds an army in the shadows. Um this isn't this is crazy. Genuinely crazy to see a game come out. And I'm so glad I went back to the game and finished it because I see the value of the IP and I see why people were so hyped on it. I still don't think I see it in my game of the year category, but it was still just a crazy good game in a year full of other crazy <clears throat> good games. Yeah, I think I think the thing is like, yeah, clearly this game was othered by people and clearly people had issues with it. And whether you think they're valid or not, it doesn't... The thing with the Game Awards is that you couldn't show me one category that I think Hogwarts Legacy deserves to take home. Yeah. There that, are... that might be true. <clears throat> I don't for sure know that I agree with you there, but I feel pretty confident that I agree with you. You know, it's like, like ma- maybe through all the music... Yeah, the music's pretty damn good. You know, if there (laughs) was a, this would be a lot more conspicuous if this was any other year and, or if there was a best licensed game, if there was a best licensed game, this wins. But I think looking at the games this year, it stood, 
It would have been a travesty if it won Game of the Year. It would have been a travesty if it won Best Direction. It would have been a travesty if it won Best Writing. It would have been a travesty if it won a lot of these rewards. And that is not an insult to the people who made these games or the game itself. The game itself is great, but this year had Baldur's Gate. This year had Alan Wake 2, Spider-Man. I can't even think of Super Mario Wonder, Breath of the Wild. Like, What place are you putting Hogwarts Legacy? Yeah. Well, I'd say that the thing, and it doesn't mean that it would have won, but I thought it was pretty telling, if I'm not mistaken, that the game didn't even get to go into the, uh, if I recall, it wasn't even a nominee choice for the Player's Voice Award. And that is something I think might have been a little more obvious for it to at least show up. Whether or not it still would have won is unlikely. I still think Baldur's Gate would have won, which it did. What were the games nominated? I, I'm actually trying to look that up right now, see okay. if I can find it. I, I know that uh, Larian won uh, yeah. with Baldur's Gate 3. I'm less sure on how to go about looking at who the nominees were. Um, what was I'm the sure it's category? somewhere. Player's Voice. And I do want to make sure that I'm I'm looking at that correctly, but I think the player's voice was Baldur's Gate 3, Cyberpunk 2077, Genshin Impact, Spider-Man 2, and Tears of the Kingdom. What game are you putting Hogwarts Legacy over there? In this list? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think looking at the way the list is set up, I'm surprised Cyberpunk is on here. Not because of anything other than Cyberpunk didn't get talked about anywhere else besides like ongoing game. You know, because it was just more of, oh, look, it's new stuff within this. But, you know, I'm I'm not, look, I didn't play Tears of the Kingdom. I think Genshin Impact probably is a game I'd put it over, but I've not played Genshin Impact, nor is it my type of game. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to give that type of qualitative assessment to it. But considering that 22 million people bought the game and fan voice, uh, you know, voicing of opinions online has been so strong, you think it would have at least ended up in this category. Well, and I think that uh, because this is player's you. voice. This is less about I think the other categories make more sense because if you look at them, those other categories are far more driven by the media side. And the media side uh is looking at some of these fake other news games game like, media. No, yeah, <laughs> it's fake, fake news. Um no, wrong, but my point my point there <laughs> is that, that the other nominee spots are handled by a collection of judges that are from the game's media. And it makes sense that a game like that, that was already a, a hot topic issue, would have been avoided. But also in a year where so many big games that were very critically successful were there. But all of those critically successful games were outsold by Hogwarts Legacy. And so my point being, the one category where it should make obvious sense that it may show up would be something like Player's Voice. I cannot say that the, the fact that it wasn't <clears throat> there is because of some kind of silencing of it on purpose, but it is interesting to look at and go, huh, the best-selling game of the year didn't even get talked about in Player's yeah. you know, Voice. I think you can read that into it, or you can read these six games were voted on by the 22 by the people who played the games and And very very likely so they bought hogwarts and they played it and they loved it but guess what cyberpunk was better genshin is a game well and i even want to go as far as saying this is something that we talked about a little bit there is very realistically even for us and every person you talk to there's a recency bias and mm-hmm. since Hogwarts was much earlier in the year, it's going to be less talked about because a lot of games came out very close to the Game Awards that were very 
contentious and people were like, oh, which one's going to win? Tears of the Kingdom and Tears of the Kingdom came out very early as well in the year. But that's Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> it's the follow up to Breath of the Wild, which is also like, you know, uh, the gaming messiah <coughs> as far as people want to act like. Uh, so when you look at those things, it's a little less surprising that it's not here. But uh, all this to say, I don't want to keep trying to uh, in- do anything that in- implies that I know exactly what happened. It's just certainly an interesting thing to look at the best-selling game of the year to not be anywhere present in a thing where we talk about the biggest games of the year. Even just as a mention, someone talking about it somehow, some way, it just didn't get talked about. Um so it's surprising, but maybe it also goes to show you that sometimes uh, what certain groups of people think players want is so different than what players really want. <laughs> and and maybe you can look at it like that, you know. Exactly. In the same vein that I don't think very many people expected Elden Ring to be the first time that a, a, a Souls, <coughs> technically a Souls-like, but a, a From Software game to immediately come out and sell 35 million. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Uh, that is the last piece of news, though, and uh, we are going to go into, and Chris, unless you have something you want to add in, we're going to quickly go into nope. uh, one of our user-submitted uh, Velvet's Corners and wrap the show up. What do you think? Oh, actually, you know what? There's one question that I would be remiss not to get to. He went out of his way to even ask it to have not forgotten it from last week. So Stingray X comes in. He says, apologies, but I'm asking next week's question now for a bookmark so I don't forget it. What's one shadow drop you want to see in 2024? I like the question. That's why I wanted to get to it. So what's one shadow drop you'd love to see? Here's a trick on this question. No Mm -hmm. one knew Hi-Fi Rush existed before it shadow dropped, which makes answering this question really difficult. But we have seen shadow drops of other games where they've been in existence and you knew that they were in existence but you had no clue when they were coming out and then suddenly it's like we just announced it we just released it like we just well, we just showed it again and here it's it's out now so in any way possible even the craziest game that you may think we'd never see what's your shadow drop dreams for 2024 i'm gonna say the the thing uh half-life 2 episode 3 <laughs> <laughs> half-life 3 episode 1 um either way I, I'm, I'm going to give a, a two answers. Half-Life Alex for PSVR 2. Mm. That would still be a shadow drop because as far as we know, there's no PSVR 2 version. Yep. Still blows my mind. Can't believe that, that didn't happen. So slow hanging fruit. So Valve must be you know, clutching their pearls. No, can't have it, Towers. Um, but my other answer is Sly 5. It'll never happen. But that's a shadow drop I want. <laughs> yeah. Let me get Naughty Dog's Jack and Daxter, too. I, I almost said that just because it's like we had that conversation. But no, if I'm being real, the game I would want to see is Sly 5 just so I can... Dude, fuck it. Sly 4 DLC. <laughs> <laughs> we remastered Thieves in Time. You can play it and there's a new DLC. Do exactly what they did with Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning, where they remastered it and released new DLC. That would be sick. Two Worlds 2 Game of the Year Edition PS5. <laughs> that would be pretty good, too. When is that Two Worlds 3 coming out? That was announced. And then, Chris, it'll be, it'll be actual co-op. Unlike Chris and I had to find out the very disappointing way that Two Worlds 2 is not actually co-op. No, it's It has weird. a dumb co-op mode where it's like a mission that you can do with somebody else in there. Yeah. Not, it is not, not the full game. Yeah. Not great. So there we have it. We got some Hollow other Knight questions. Soap song too. 
Well, you know what? This one's quick enough. I'll throw one more in, and then we're probably going to see if I can save this next one for next week because I do like the question. TT Dog six six six, another patron, longtime listener. <coughs> he says uh, it was speculated on during an admittedly Xbox podcast that Bobby Toxic, as he calls him, Bobby Kodak, uh, will take over for Jim Ryan now that he's been booted from Activision. Thoughts? Um, first and foremost, I doubt it. I severely doubt it. But Activision was very successful under Bobby, regardless of how you want to look at it. So it's not the stupidest thing to think that Sony would be like, well, he was very successful. But I think Sony's smart enough to not want to draw the ire of the PR that would come from that backlash, you know, like the bad PR. Yeah. I think Bobby Kodak's going to retire, but it wouldn't also surprise me to see him pop up somewhere. It'd be very funny if it was a Chinese gaming company because they're like, yeah, we don't <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> we beat yeah. our employees too. Right, exactly. <laughs> We also have hotel rooms with Bill Cosby. <laughs> Bobby walks in. He's like, I think we can save some money if we uh, make the nets just a little bit shorter. We'll miss 5% of our of our employees jumping out of the building, but we'll save about $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> so um, who knows? Uh, but yeah, what do you think of this? I mean, clearly, I, again, I say no, but I don't think it's without any merit to at least think through. Here's the thing. It would be frowned upon. People would rail on Sony, and it would be an incredible move money-wise for them. Bobby Cody I think makes incredible money. strong, but he does make money. Here's the crazy thing, though. I'd be curious to see how Bobby Kodak's very clear tactics, some of which have been recently criticized, as people have been able to be kind of open and talking about it uh, since they know he's out, too. I guess there's less fear of repercussion. Um but, you know, you kind of made a joke in the Discord of great yearly horizon in The Last of Us <laughs> uh, because they're big sellers, right? And yeah. add God of War to that list and all that stuff. Well, here's the thing. Bobby Kodak's primary way of making money for Activision was on the back of a singular franchise that you just beat into the ground by having it released yearly. Do you think that Sony wants to allow all of the goodwill and public image they've built around making the highest quality games turn into all of their studios only making the same franchise every year and still getting to spend four or five years on it, but only going towards a couple of franchises. I don't know that they'd do that, and it would be a really weird use of their IP, and they would honestly have to grow even more to have the studios necessary to put out the content to make something like that if you really want to look at what Bobby's already familiar at making. That doesn't mean he can't come in and find ways to somehow adapt PlayStation's existing, uh, you know, I guess what their identity is as well as what their market is with the market they're trying to form with their games as a service. But I don't think it's immediately obvious that he would be a net benefit. Yeah, if you no. take all of the PR <clears throat> out of it, even, you know, I wouldn't want him there. You know, I wouldn't want to hear about, hear about it, but I do think maybe incredible is not the right word, but it is, it, it would be a savvy enough play where I'm like, I see what you're doing here. I don't think I it's going to be anyone like Bobby. I wouldn't even be surprised at this point if it's Herman Holst, but we'll have to see. It wouldn't shock me if it's, hey, Druckmann's been promoted to head of PlayStation or Barlog or one of those people or I don't know. And then Herman takes over. It's not going to be Bobby Kotick, but I think I said it on this show and I'm not the only person who said it. Bobby Kotick should be taking over Xbox right now. 
but he's not. And again, and this is all in terms of making money. We're not talking my my comment on that is not thinking about workers' health and happiness. It's not thinking about the, the health of the games. It's thinking about what's best for the company. And if what's best for the company is to make money, Bobby Kotick has a proven track record of buying Activision for 500000 and selling it for $69 billion. Well, and I want to – it's really weird because, like, one thing that happens is that even people who may be net <clears throat> negatives for the industry and net negatives for all sorts of things, if you want to look at them that way, or even if you just want to look at them as negatives for the way that you like to view the, the games industry or whatever industry you're in, music industry, whatever it is, um, I think I'd be remiss to act like Activision has done absolutely nothing I've liked since Bobby Kotick has been mm-hmm. running them. He's been running them for a long time. And they've done a lot of great things that I very much enjoyed. They made the Transformers games, the the Cybertron games, which were excellent. And some of my favorite games from that generation, licensed or not. Uh, it, they are part of the reason that we got the Crash Insane trilogy and Crash Bandicoot 4, both incredibly good games that seem almost antithetical to what Activision primarily does. We got the Spyro Reignited trilogy, which also seems kind of antithetical to what Activision does. Yeah. Not only the fact that the games even existed, but that they had no real way to be monetized. And even though they had no real way to be further monetized, you got three games for $60, which is something that Sony even refuses to do. Mm-hmm. So I think when you look at them, it's, you got to look and say that, yeah, Bobby Kotick is, is problematic in a million ways, but I can't sit there and act like Activision under his rule is entirely wrong or entirely bad. I got Diablo 3 from that. Diablo 4 was still a great time, even if it didn't stick with me as long as Diablo 3 did. Uh, there are good times to be had from Activision products that were made directly under his supervision, uh, or at least his structured company. Uh, so a- as easy as it is to want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, I got to look at it and go, well, you know, there was great things that came out of that uh, at the cost, admittedly, from what we can tell of a lot of other things that are not, you know, something that we want to look at as consumers. We do want to look at and be like, well, how are people being treated? What is it like? Or mm-hmm. is, is it a good place to work? But Chris makes a good point. Realistically, when you're in a publicly held company, they just want to see dollars and cents. And as long as they can still keep making dollars and cents, even if you cause some splashes, if it doesn't completely hurt your bottom line, they're willing to put up with some of it. It does seem that Bobby finally hit the point of his his line of how much beneficial he was to the company to how much of a hit he was to the company from a PR standpoint started to kind of hit a, uh, a point of no return. Otherwise, I don't think Activision would have been so gung-ho to sell, from being honest. Uh, so if you look at it that way, I wouldn't be surprised if he never turns up in the industry again. But I also wouldn't be surprised if someone goes, clearly he has some know-how. It's just, wh- how, what kind of ropes can you put on Bobby to try and control him while still getting the beneficial aspects of him? Because that the sad reality is, is there are some redeemable aspects to his leadership that, in terms of a value doesn't mean that the, the net value is what you want, but there is some value there. So can you mine that value out while trying to restrain uh, <clears throat> the negative qualities? And does someone won't even want to put up with that? Does Bobby want to put up with that? Yeah. You know? I mean, I think the hard question there is, do they care if Bobby's making money? Cause Activision didn't care for 30 years. And then me too happened, which I, nobody's sitting here saying that's a bad thing. But Bobby Kotick got exposed, and now he's out of Activision. I don't know that yeah. that happens in another scenario. So, yeah, it's interesting. yeah, exactly. So, 
Who knows? Interesting thought process, though. I think it is interesting to say that uh, someone <clears throat> said it during an, an, an Xbox podcast. I don't think that this is something that people would be looking at as any kind of real rumor, even thought process. Uh, not that it's impossible, but it just is what it is. Um, so with that in mind, uh-oh, Chris is sending me Tales of Zelia. <laughs> <laughs> Tales of Zelia PlayStation 3 console. Dude, I was looking at. Uh, I've been holy was, shit. That is beautiful. I've never seen this. Dude, I'm gonna buy it when I get paid. That's what I'm buying. Wow, that is gorgeous. I was gonna get the Metal Gear one, but I'm getting that Tales of Zillia one. Man, if you want to see it, it's a PS3 Slim, so it's yep. the middle one that a lot of people view as their favorite. And the PS3 embossment has got a red gloss in it, and then the picture has got. Uh, the the main characters that you can play as in Zillia, and it's got this cool whipping of like flowers coming. That is beautiful. You should I look it up it. if you've never seen it. That's insane. It's, There's some pretty cool PS3s. Yep, this is Japan. I don't know if it's Japan still highly only, disappointed but. in in PS5's console output for anything remotely interesting. In Give the, me more plates. Oh, and, and even if we get plates now, they're just going to be for the smaller PlayStation that just came out. I just I was thinking about that same thing. <laughs> When they showed the CES plates, I'm like, does that mean I don't get plates? Yeah. Where are my plates? That's you had three years and they gave you like four colors and and one game. My PS PS5 is blue. That's my PS5. Dude, and they didn't even do the same thing that they did for Spider-Man for the they why was there not Ragnarok plates? Like come the fuck on, guys. Well, there was a controller for there was also a Spider-Man. That's what I mean. Why not? Yeah, it's like, why not do it match? But that's okay. All right, moving on. If you ask some questions, we're going to try and get to them next episode if we can. We're going to do a quick uh, Velvet's Corner, and then we got one more in the bank right now. So if you have any that you've had on mind, uh, go ahead and feel free to send them to us. Be there, be a, in the Discord, through email, any way that you see fit. If you have a question about what you want to send or where to send it, feel free to DM us, message me, message Chris, whoever. We'll try and get you on that. But this week's before the last one that we have in there, is uh, pretty simple, and it also comes from Stingray X. Uh, he says, Vel- <laughs> it's like he gave it... Hold on. First of all, what am I doing here? It's Velvet's Corner time. This is the sexiest part of the show, Chris, and you know what that means, right? I do. Time to edge you. <sighs> Velvet's Corner. <laughs> Fine, I'll just go in and add a... It just needs an ending, Brett. God, you're like Stephen King. You can't finish. Yeah, it's okay. I'm pretty sure you've made that joke before. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I use Stephen King, but. Yeah. Well, Chris, it's like your mom. I can't finish. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Mrs. Figueroa, please. I was joking. It was an internet. It was for the internet clout. Forgive me. Be um, more worried about my dad. <laughs> that, that, yeah, Mr. Figueroa, I'm sorry. Um, please do not consider taking away my Longhorn gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> the possibility for them. Uh, I apologize. I made a uh, a severe and continual lapse in judgment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Now that we've got that out of the way, Stingray decided with his Velvet's uh, submission to give, it's almost like a a segment intro, Velvet's Video Games Rockin' Corner with Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. (laughs) Only on 103 dot 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 nine. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, your dad's rock. <laughs> well, I'm six feet. <laughs> Radioactive. Radio. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's not a hit on Creed. I love Creed. I just want to Creed throw it fucks. out there. Yeah, I can Creed. take you higher. <laughs> All right, Chris. Here goes this Dude. week's strange. So instead of we're moving away from a game and going a little bit more towards the early days where it's <clears> a little prompt and kind of uh, for us to mess around with and see what we think about. He says, puberty hits. You're both 14. Waking up having Kratos's Blades of Chaos for hands. <laughs> Hold on. Chains included. God of War franchise doesn't exist in this universe. What will your reaction be and how did you manage in life until the age you are now? So from 14 to 30 for me. And 14 to 31 for you? Correct. All right, Chris. So first thing that we have to figure out here, do we have the Blades of Chaos for hands or do we have Blades of Chaos <laughs> around our hands? I didn't think of do that. I, do I still have my hands or have they been replaced with like you, you ever see billy uh billy and mandy grim adventures of billy and mandy yeah yeah you know hans delgado how he's got like the hand <laughs> that he can like take off and he's got like the chainsaw attachment and stuff yeah is that what's going on is do i like instead of a hand is it just like suddenly a blade if so why do the chains come into play <laughs> are they just there to piss me off i think so but this yeah. is important because i'm gonna tell you something about puberty guys are you in puberty your hand finds its way into your pants far too often. Jesus and if you have Christ. a blade, if you have a blade for what a hand, the fuck, man? what do you even do? Do you just go fuck the couch cushions? You just hold the blades together and just slowly. On the blunt edge. Yeah. With a little bit of lube. Right. Exactly. You fuck the blades. Um, my assumption, I'm just going to go with because it makes this easier, is that I am just Kratos. But but you don't know of Kratos as a character. God of War doesn't exist. Right. But you are effectively Kratos. You have chains wrapped around your arm. Uh, is your skin white as shit, too? Well, and you have no clue why? You're just ashy? <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess so. I would say I'm ashy. Okay. Putting on white face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Chris, that's offensive. Oh, well, I'm Puerto Rican, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, first of all, I'd be sick at my job, right? Because I would just be like, oh, I need to julienne some onions. I'm done. Well, mm. no, that wouldn't be very serve safe because there's probably blood all over the blades, right? If they're Kratos's blades, they're soaked in well, blood. Well, maybe not, right? Let's just say there were fresh blades that you got given that never been used prior to you waking up with them 14. So these are just but there's still probably safe, blood all over them. What, what happens when you're sleeping? Are you just like fucking... <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like cutting your face because you go to scratch yourself because well, at 14 I, you lost 14 years of like of your your body being like, if you scratch, if you need to scratch, you use your hand and then you just pull a blade up to your face, slice your <laughs> eyebrow off. How many stitches have you had? thousands <laughs> how many um, times oh, how, how do you piss do you have a catheter for life no you have hands 
Okay, so you, we're moving away from. Okay, I got you. I thought you were saying that your hands are the blade still, but no, no we're saying we're Kratos. Yeah, you're I'm right. saying we're. Kratos. Yeah, so you have hands. We're good. We're good. But yeah. eventually, somehow, you're going to cut yourself, right? I can piss and come fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quote for uh, for some future version of Quotal Recall. <laughs> I'm talking about God of War three. Um, I wait when you fuck Aphrodite. Yes, absolutely. Um, no, I feel like it wouldn't change my life all that much, right? Like, I feel like the, the real question that we're not getting answered here is, am I still a god? Because mm. if I'm still a god... And do you even understand why you have them? But if no. the franchise doesn't exist, is it still that Ares is like, hey, fuck you, I gave you these, you owe me. And until you pay me back, <laughs> you'll have them forever. Yeah, you got to pay like a six percent interest loan on your <laughs> on your. It's, so it's Tales of Zillia too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, hey, man, we noticed that you're about to get a job promotion, but until you pay ten thousand dollars on your loan payment against the Blades of Chaos that I forced upon you, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let you get that promotion. I. So here's a philosophical question. Okay, good. I love philosophy. Let's go. If I was a god. Right, like, I feel like humans inherently want to say they would do good, right? If you had superpowers, sure. Mm-hmm. But would you? I think I would. If you were, if you were Kratos, you could just take over the country. Oh, one hundred percent. Well, here's the thing, right, Chris? I think if I'm looking at myself, right, I think I would do more, more good than I would negative but i think if we're being inherent to the fact that humans are flawed and we make mistakes if i have chains wrapped around my arms with blades that i have to carry around and someone pisses me off the chances that one time i'm going to do something go pretty high right right? and then at that point it's a matter of it's a matter of interactions like eventually they're going to catch you on the wrong time and it's going to be like that joker one bad day Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and that's the thing right I could be a benevolent leader, a great leader. But what happens when, you know, there's a protest outside the White House? You know what I mean? Like, am I just out there like, 100 combo? You know, like. And Throwing who, them onto the spikes of the fence. Right. Exactly. Just out there, just grabbing protesters, just ripping them by the job. And like. How Who, do you think you'd win this election? Are you saying that you take it? Like you, that's the, the presidency I'm, becomes a dictatorship? You don't have to win an election. Right? Like, I feel you, like you ruin the country because you <laughs> because you just want ultimate power. I'm not saying I would. I'm asking the question if a normal human being wakes up with that much power. Right, and like it depends on your life. Well, that's today. important. Like, like you said, if, if you're not a god, if if you just have these chains and these blades, but you are not muscly, like if, if you're if we're going off of our world's rules, if you're not physically fit enough to deal with this shit, does the next like sixteen years of my life involve me getting slowly ripped over time because I have to drag around chains and blades fucking no, constantly? You would you would have a rough year, but then you'd just be strong enough to carry the blades. Yeah. 
Do I get this is an important thing, and I know you're in your your philosophy, but this is very important to me. You know how in the games, even though the blades are supposed to be attached to Kratos as chains and arms, but he can just conveniently like disconnect them from the chains and put them on his back. Yes, which seems physically impossible if they're supposed to be permanently attached. Which also goes to tell you how the fuck did he get them off of him in God of War 2018? We're just not going to talk about that. He could have taken. You're telling me he just took them off and put them under the floorboards. He could have done that. All through God of War one through three. Um, Can I, I take these bitches off? I would. I would be willing to bet the bullshit answer from Corey Barlog would be when he crossed into a new realm. The magic from the, you know, the Greek world faded, and he was able to take off the blades. Well, then why was why was he able to find them and pick them up and use them in God of War twenty eighteen? See what I'm saying? Because he's saying? fucking Kratos, dog. That's why he's he's like fuck the boundaries. I am a god. Yeah. yeah, but do yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying, right? You have to, you'd have to wrestle with having, for all intents and purposes, power. unlimited power. Because even yeah. if you didn't usurp power, right? This is always yeah. a question with comic books. Why is Spider-Man poor when he could just put on a different outfit and walk into a bank vault one time? Oh, it's jumper. Right? It's, it's jumper all over again. Right. It's like you have this power to just blink into something. And he's like, fuck it. I'm just going to blink into this bank. Like, I can tell you right now. I didn't hurt now. anybody. In I this can tell process. you right now. If I have Kratos's power, I'm not poor. <laughs> I'm telling you I'm not poor. I'm not telling you how I get the money because I don't know. But I'm telling you that I am not poor. Oh, dude, you just grandstand on the, on the side of the road. You just fucking move to like LA or fucking California and you just start doing like juggling the blaze of chaos or, you know. No, I'm not going to be a street performer when I have <laughs> godlike power. I'm going to walk into the Federal Reserve. They're going to shoot me a bunch, see that it does nothing. I'm going to be like, I'm going to take $50 million. Sure. And by taking well, this money, I agree to not become a criminal villain. You, but I'm going to be separate. <laughs> no, this is a bartering arrangement. They see okay, that Chris. I have ultimate power. But why do you even need to do that, right? Because if you have ultimate power, money is pointless. You don't even need money. Your currency is the threat that you will kill someone and that they can't kill you. So you don't even need the money. You skip a step. You walk into a house you want and you go, this is mine. Leave or you'll fucking face the, pro- the consequences. And then but they then, go, oh, okay. And then you go to the store when you're hungry and you go, or you go to, you go to, okay, look, you go to Longhorn, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your dad comes to you. He's like, son, hi. Yeah. And then he tries to, you're like, hey, I want my outlaw ribeye. And he brings it to you and you eat and you're like, mm, that was delicious. And then he brings you the check and he's like, hey, you guys pay it when you're ready. No rush. And then you go, I'll pay this when I'm ready. And you pull out your blade of chaos. And you're like, I'll fucking, if you want, if you don't want to see what I'm going to do with this, Mr. Figaro, I mean, dad. <laughs> but that is straight up evil. That becomes supervillain territory. What so how I'm, is I'm walking arguing, in and threatening and stealing everyone's money in the treasury not the same no, no, no. thing? It all depends on perspective. I'm not threatening. <laughs> I'm not okay, threatening yeah. to kill so they're, anyone. They're paying you off. They're, I'm promising they're, not to murder. You're threatening. You're you're threatening them to bribe you. Yes. You're essentially you're convincing them to bribe you so under threat. Okay. That you I, will become worse <laughs> if you do not get bribed, Chris. That is not good. It's better than <laughs> if we're, if walking we're into about fucking philosophy, subway and being like, "Look, you Yo, are correct. You're 16. I will cut your fucking head off if you don't well, Chris, give you me a foot long fill." All you did was make him pay for your sandwich. For you. <laughs> <laughs> you understand that, this? <laughs> yeah, but I didn't threaten him. I would have walked away without. Did you ever a go back? 
Oh, fuck Did you ever that. go back? I never went back. I'll tell you, I'll probably never go to that subway again. But <laughs> <laughs> well, well, look, Chris, we were talking about philosophy. And you know, in this philosophy, I'm going to break it down. Are we trying to maximize or minimize human suffering, right? Right. And I, I think what I would tell you is if I had this power, and I think a good majority of humans would try to minimize suffering. Now, you might be arguably correct that you would be minimizing suffering by going into an area and be like, hey, give me this much money. I won't become a threat. But all you're really doing is minimizing suffering by way of bribery. And in a way, there's an argument to be made that you might be maximizing the suffering of certain groups of people by taking money from the treasury, if not outright taking money from the treasury, meaning that they have to replace that money by printing more in the currency, which therefore lowers the value of the dollar, which therefore makes everyone suffer more. So I think if we're trying to get out of this with some kind of uh, theological grandstand of how you're going to get around to being a good person by not being a bad person, I don't think you're going to get there. <laughs> Do it. Is it just you go, do you just Iron Man it? See, it's funny that you bring up Iron Man, right? Because I actually used to have this conversation with my friends. We'd be like, listen, there's a group of people in your life. The younger you are, the more prevalent it is. I'd say right now I don't have that list. I used to say I had a list of people that were kind of like, I don't like enough that the question was if I ever got, like if I woke up one day and had 24 hours in an Iron Man suit, Mm -hmm. would I hurt them? Or would I be able to control myself to be like, even though I have this power, I'm not going to use it to deal with my enemies and people that I don't like. You know what I mean? That that's, that's This is literally conversations we had when we were 17, 18, when we moved out on our own. Well, you don't, I don't think you, here's the thing, right? What I meant by Iron Manning it is, do I just go, like, like current events. Right. If I woke up tomorrow with the Blades of Chaos, do I just walk into Israel and Palestine and (laughs) just be like, this is done? Right. Is that what I do? Well, if, okay. Well, Chris, you're starting to get into a very deep territory because just That's walking over I'm there and saying. saying it's done doesn't mean anything, right? You can say it's done, but all they're going to do is stop fighting in the meantime, but it doesn't resolve the issues that they are fighting over, right? All sure. you do is scare them apart from wanting to fight each other. Is that a net <clears throat> positive? Maybe. Well, yeah, I would think. To some people, probably not. You know? Right. But then do you just take them and you're like, okay, we're just, we're hashing this out. Nobody leaves. You know, because you have the power. Because I'm thinking of it in in sense of like, in Iron Man one, he goes into, you know, unidentified Middle Eastern territory, kills a bunch of terrorists, and then Iron Man two, it's privatized world peace. You're welcome. You know what I mean? Is that the goal for you? So you just stop the Israel Palestine crisis. You go up to Putin and you're like, dog, pull out, go home. You know, is that what you do with the power? And then you go to like the U.S. military and you go to all these militaries and you're like, you can't take me on. We're done with war. Yeah, because you're headstrong to take on anyone. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> like, do you get where I'm coming from? Right. Do Do you just <sighs> exert so much power that you're like, I'm an asset for the world. The U.N. is going to pay my bills. And oh, you want to start shit? It's done. I'm I'm gonna jump in and I'm just gonna blades of chaos your your tanks. 
How, okay, how sick of a moment would it be that someone launches a nuke and while it's in air, you just fucking throw your chain up and slice it in half? It's just as it's falling, there's a there's a giant flaming circle above it. And it's just <laughs> oh, that's so ridiculous. Listen, clearly, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this so far back, Chris, and let's just let's just answer it at genuine face value. You wake up, nothing about you is different at all, except for the fact that you have chains and blades bolted into your arms. That's it. You're not a god. You are the same person, same fallible person. You can still die. You still do everything. But you live your life from 14 years old to 31 years old. How? A, what was your reaction to waking up this way? Sick. And then B... And then B, and again, you had no clue that God of War exists. You just wake up with, do you not think you'd wake up in like a Saw movie where you'd be like, what the fuck is this? Corey Barlog walks in, he's like, want to play a game? (laughs) That's actually a good parody, is having Jigsaw pick up Kratos and put the blades into his arm. Yeah. And then Kratos passes his tests, and now he uses those blades as a strength. Anyway, going back. Uh, I'll, I'll do my uh, my fan <laughs> my Maybe fan. You should run later. PlayStation. That is brand synergy if I've ever heard it. <laughs> and uh, okay, so you don't know any of that, but point being, you ha- you have that waking up. You're not going to be like. Uh, part of me thinks I'd be like sick, but part of me would also be like, oh, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, I would definitely be scared. I think the thing the the question becomes: if you're just a regular dude. Hmm. First of all, the fact that these just appear imply the world is magical. Okay? I want to be clear about that. There is no escaping that there is some force in this world. Well, yeah, but that could also just be like the Christian God, right? Could At be. At that point, realistically. Then I got to fight that motherfucker to get these off my hands. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. With that reality- viewpoint in mind, yeah, it's like... You're right. The The fact that it happened overnight, <clears throat> if you couldn't find any evidence that suggested someone broke in and did this, and of course, you'd be like, how did this happen without me waking up? It, it, it's so unlikely for it to have been anything surgical. There's no scars. There's no anything. There's just suddenly bolts in my arm and chains wrapped around it and blades, right? So if you're looking at that, you're right. It does point toward the existence of something higher. Mm-hmm. So do you suddenly <sighs> become religious? Yeah, I would think you have to. Do you curse the god that you think had to have given this to you because you view it as a curse? It'd probably be the second one, but the question we're not thinking of, right, is you wouldn't be allowed to go to school. Well, see, I was about to say, how did you manage in life until you get there? So I'm glad you went there because my thought was school, education. You're suddenly homeschooled, right? You're homeschooled. That's it. Hundred percent. You're probably not going to get into very many curricular activities, like extracurricular activities. No, you can't play football. You can't play and baseball. Then, How are you going to catch the ball? You're cut yeah. it in half. Yeah, exactly. So you go through there. What is what does a job interview look like? Depends on the industry. If I was a chef and you had knives attached to your arms, I'd be like, "Fuck, all right." <laughs> Wash them. Can you clean them? Yeah. Can you, run them can you make the sure they're sanitized? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yes. That's fair. Here's the big question. How difficult do you think that having these knives as hands, right? We're both heterosexual men. Yeah. So let's look at it through that viewpoint, right? 
you're do you think having these blades attached to you and, the, and you know these chains and everything on there do you think that that would be a boon or a bust to your ability to pick up women and more importantly if it is a boon do you think it would only be a boon in so far as you can pick up surface level uh you know relationships where you just bang a chick and then she leaves you very god of war-esque like because she well, doesn't really want to be with someone with these are for hands or do you think you might actually be able to get your way into being like finding a someone that you care for think, and love and want to make a family with i think the problem is that if you have knives attached to your arms and a girl wants you for that you're worried about being killed in your sleep by said. Oh yeah. It's contingent, right? It's contingent on this part of you that. Yeah. Right. I got you. Like that's a crazy bitch. And that's, that's cool. But, um, I don't <laughs> the, know how you the crazy hot scale, right? <laughs> <clears throat> right. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the worry, right? You, I don't think you, there's any, well, again, you have hands, and you would yeah, think you would think by the time you're getting married, you have control of where the blades go. To, to some degree, you've 3D printed like upper arm things where you can like rest them in there or something, right? right. Sheaths. And if you find a woman who loves you for you, she'll know where to put her hands when you're getting intimate to not cut herself. Sure. You yeah. Know? Again, there's no reason to think that you couldn't sheathe the blades to where they're I not have a to be abundantly honest. I feel like this wouldn't affect your life very much at all, other than the fact that you do have to be homeschooled and you can't fucking fly in a plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like that's you probably can't ride on a bus either. You're doing private. You're traveling everywhere. <laughs> you could fly. You could ride a bus with like long sleeve shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Those blades are pretty fucking big. It's like covering your tattoos. I wonder how reasonable it would actually be to have the bolt there and have the chain. Like if you're if you're wearing like a long sleeve, like a very puffy long sleeve, could you put the chain up your arms and actually put them on your back, and probably. then just put a jacket over that to hide it all? Like you probably look a little the weird. But, you know. down, yeah, I mean, you look like fucking Lou Ferrigno, but. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this guy, fucking swole his shit on the back. Oh, it's the uh, fucking know. Hulk over there. What you doing? <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like it honestly wouldn't be all that crazy. Like, you'd have to have a very specific job. You'd have to be a performer or like a dominatrix or something along those lines or a chef. But, you know, you couldn't work at fucking Aetna. You know what I mean? Like typing in. You're you're a car salesman, right? You could. I could see it. Yeah, you'd be like, "Oh, these couple is a very practical. They hold my blades. <laughs> they're, they're very roomy. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. It's got yeah. great leather seats. They don't cut at all. Okay, final um, question for you, Chris. Final question for me. Yeah, we can both answer this. In this scenario, do you think your offspring? Like come grandpa. <laughs> Do you think your offspring come out with little blades? <laughs> and they're like horse not. hooves? Because I don't know if you know this, but like baby horses are born with their hooves mm-hmm. already. But because a hoof inside of the mother's womb would hurt them if they were hard like a real hoof is, instead they're soft in the womb. And as soon as they come out over the next few hours, they harden up almost mm-hmm. immediately because of being out and exposed to the air. So would the little babies come out with little soft blades that react to the <laughs> air around them and start to 
But at that point, <laughs> you're basically saying that I am the next evolution of human beings. And you're we've right. evolved to have utensils on our hands, <laughs> which is a you're scary right. indictment of the United States of America. And then the question becomes, if that is the evolution, how long until the evolution is just everyone being Baraka? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that goes back to what we talked about. Like the blades are your hands, kind of. And like Baraka <laughs> still has hands, but you can't do shit with those blades. Yeah, <laughs> you know? you're not shaking hands on uh, with the. And then, and then again, how how long until we eventually get a mutation that leads to someone having blades that are not only part of their arm, like Baraka, but are also completely retractable, a la Wolverine? Even though I think Baraka also sometimes can retract his. Mm. I mean, you would think eventually question. we just become the high on life weapons. Oh yeah, there you, have you it. know. Well, there you go, Stingray. That's that's the answer to your uh, your burning question. And this has been another successful Velvet's Corner. Velvet's Corner. All right, Chris. Thank you for joining me for yet another episode. <clears throat> this has been a wild, weird, ridiculous ride, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, once more, if you're new to the show and you liked what you had here, spread the word. Let other people know about us. And if you can, uh, rate and review the show. If you're watching on YouTube, consider subscribing and sharing the video with anyone else that you think might like it, as well as chatting with us down in the comments over anything that you had to say. Uh, Chris, what do you think this uh, week's community stake should be? Um. <laughs> Which Xbox game are you most excited to get a platinum trophy in? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that one. We'll run with it. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, as always, we want to uh, thank everyone for listening to the show. And we want to specifically shout out our patrons who give as little as a dollar per month to support the show uh, with more than just their time, which we are always so thankful for. So because of them, the show is allowed to happen without us having to dig into our own time or without, without having to dig into our own pockets to cover the expenses. Uh, so equipment, cost to cover the show hosting and all that is covered by you so as we uh basically are saying the show is brought to you by you and if it wasn't for you it probably wouldn't be happening so we would like to shout out all of our patrons as we do at the end of every episode and we are going to start that off by shouting out duh overlord spencer brandon edwards alex barry rogers stingray x easton 328 Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Sanderud. Thanks to each and every one of you. We'll see you next week.